Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Battle Round. I'm your host, Paul Valley. With me, not as always, but as frequently as we can get him with uh, whenever Zach is not here. And Zach is becoming a uh, more important man by the hour. So not, sure that, is. not that you're not important, Zach. <laughs> Zach is um, he's an intern in the Cleveland Guardian scouting department. So he's going to all these different things throughout the year, especially before the draft. And this is the first showcase that he's going to, that he has to be at. Uh, so Ryan Blake from the Give That Fan a Podcast podcast, my the, the main host, my co-host on that show, and the uh, proprietor, the founder, the creator of O's, Family, O's Podcast Family Feud. He is back in the studio this morning. Uh, Ryan, good morning. How good, are you? Good morning. I am. I'm cold, but warming up. Uh, very happy to be here. Always, always appreciate the invitation. Lots to talk about today. Yeah, man. I'm. I'm. I'm excited. I'm. Uh, the closer that we get to spring training, to the baseball season, the more excited I get. And I mean, I guess that's an obvious statement. Um, but the Orioles are looking like they're going to be pretty damn good this year. And I'm trying to find a sponsor while I while I look you in the <laughs> eye. Um, Look at your papers. I can I can carry the discussion a little bit if you need me to. I, I have no doubts that you can. I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you, as I have found what I was looking <laughs> for. Today's show is brought to you by offers from PressBox. Um, great offers to sign up for sports betting are available now at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, including... $200 in bonus bets if you sign up with DraftKings and make just one $5 bet. But you have to sign up through the link at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers to take advantage of this and other great offers. I can attest to this because last weekend I was watching the AFC NFC Championship games, the NFC Championship game snoozer. Uh, AFC Championship game, wildly entertaining, despite how bad people think the referees were. Uh, I got my desired result, so I don't, I don't give a damn. Um, but I went and tried to sign up on MGM. And PressBoxOnline.com slash offers has very, I'm not going to say explicit, has very, um, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, specific? Specific, I yeah. guess. They, they have very specific instructions on how to get to take advantage of these offers well your boy said oh mgm i don't have that app let me go download that app so i download the app i sign up i deposit my money and realize that i did it without clicking the link from Pressbox. Uh. and they don't have the Pressbox um offers on their site you have to do it through Pressbox. Pressbox is, is like a third party with the link and you have to do it that way and so i didn't get the money um and i can't now because i have an account that i've bet on and i i, I screwed up so please when you go to pressboxonline.com offers follow their complete instructions click their link if you click the mgm link because i tried to do it a second time yeah. And what it will do is, if you don't have the app downloaded on your phone, it will take you to download the app, and then that's how you do it. And I wish I had done that the first time. I don't know why. I I thought, you know what, let me save myself a step here and download this app. And I thought because I had already clicked on the offers link that I, it would just automatically recognize that, and it didn't. Right. Uh, I like It takes you to a place where you can download the app through the link, and I went and did it on my own by looking it up in my Play Store, and that was not the correct move. So don't do that. 
But do use PressBoxOnline.com offers to get some serious free money for your betting purposes and needs. Getting back to baseball, uh, O's Caravan is going on right now. And your lovely fiance, I almost called her girlfriend, but she's your fiance. I, I, I make that mistake quite often. Don't worry about it. Um, she gets mad at me when I call her my girlfriend. But yeah, my, yeah, my, my fiance. My wife used to get mad at me too. Um, yeah. So we had to start like calling. You'll always be my girlfriend, sweetheart. But yeah, you you're, should you're always, also my fiance you and you will be my wife, but you'll always her, be my girlfriend. Date her like she's your girlfriend. Right. You should always date your wife, your fiance, your girlfriend like she's your girlfriend. Yeah. Now you, hopefully you they hear that babe. Now hopefully they all are in the same room at the same time. <laughs> right? Right, right, right. Um nah, but uh, I kid, I kid. Um so the the O's caravan is um it's chugging along. Mm-hmm. Uh they were up in my neck of, neck of the woods on Thursday uh with a Q&A at Bel Air High School. Um I know that they're doing you're going to a happy hour that they're doing. Where's the happy hour again today? I think it's called Checker Spot Brewery. It's it's Right by M&T Bank Stadium. Oh, very cool, uh, very cool. R- close to where I park for Orioles games. Yeah, so th- there's there's that. They also are doing Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde and some other and Brian Mountcastle, I believe, are going to be at a brewery down in Salisbury. So they won't be at they, this one. They did that last night. Oh, they did that last yeah, night. Yeah, I oh, thought that was today. That the the one in Delmarva was last night. They they posted pictures from it already. Huh. The one tonight has Elias, um, Elias and Hyde. Uh, Rutschman, Rodriguez, Hall. Like it's supposed to be a, a oh a, 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 a checker spot, a pretty good one tonight. Yeah, that's cool. I hope checker spot's the name of it. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. But it's, I could have sworn I saw a tweet from Mike Elias this morning saying that they were on their way down to Salisbury today. That was yesterday. Oh, that was yesterday. It said, yeah. huh? I, I, I got that notification too. It was a hundred percent yesterday. Okay. Oh, I'm. Uh, yeah. I'm. I, in, in my old age, I'm getting cross-eyed here when I right. wake up in the morning. So I, I thought it said. Four hours ago, maybe it said fourteen hours ago, or something. Uh, perhaps like. it probably said fourteen hours ago, and that yeah. and that's where I messed up. But the, anyway, the new iPhones too. The notifications like they they disappear if you don't see them right away, and then if you scroll down, you find notifications that you didn't know you had, mm. uh, which it gets on my nerves. Yeah, the, but that's the, a whole different. The whole layout of Twitter now, it's like nothing's chronological. It's yeah. all like. You know these people. This person tweeted this seventeen hours ago. I yeah. want to know what they does, tweeted does seventeen your, seconds ago. Does your app default to the for you tab? Yes. Because every time I open it, it's on the For You page, and I forget, and then I have to go over to Following, and that's when it's sorted chronologically by the people I follow. But the For You page huh. is just, it's a bunch of random, like, I, I get shown, like, five specific accounts. I see all their likes. It's it's incredibly annoying. That, you know what? Hmm. Okay, I think I've been doing this wrong. Why didn't they just leave it the way it was? I, I don't know. Let's fix something that ain't broke. Yeah, I open it up and it shows it shows like the most popular tweets from people I follow on the For You page and a bunch of people that I don't follow. It shows pe- tweets that people have liked. And then I have to toggle over to the following tab to see tweets from people I follow in chronological order, which is how it should be anyway. Yeah, that's it. that is how it should be. You know, I didn't realize that the following... See, I thought the following was just going to be like... Whoever you follow that has tweeted um, is what you're going to see, and it doesn't necessarily matter when. Maybe like it would do it by most popular, not most recent. Uh, so that's why I kept sticking on the for you. But if it keeps it more up to date in the following, that's what I'm going to do. Yes, we, we are we are off the rails. <laughs> we are we are going off the rails. Um, so you're going to the to you and and your lovely fiance Megan are going to the. Um, the caravan today. Yes. What are you looking for there? 
Uh, honestly, I, I just hanging out with Orioles fans and getting to see a lot of the a lot of the players. You know, I, I wanted to do bowling this morning, but that was I think that bowling was this morning. But that was it was like three hundred forty dollars for a lane. Not I'm not paying that much. Uh, wanted to you know thought about doing top golf, but uh, again expensive and mm-hmm. they're they're not incredibly expensive for the packages that they're offering, but you know the players are going to be mingling around a little bit though you'll get like three to five minutes with each of them which right. to me it's not worth the extra money that we're going to pay um the happy hour tonight it's it's free it's open to the public um there's a lot of big names who are expected to be there and just you know I, i'm trying to fill that void that we're missing with with fan fest being gone yeah because i loved fan fest I it was my favorite event of the year. I loved FanFest. You you get out you're in line outside the convention center at 8 a.m. in the cold. Gates open at, at 9 if you're a, a Birdland member and then you're there until 5 6 o'clock at night. It was a, a great day, so much to do. And now they have these little little events that are all over Maryland, which is good I guess to a reach it, it reaches a bigger group of people. Mhm. But it's not as friendly to the passionate fans who were going to come to FanFest and spend a lot of money and mm-hmm. be there all day. You may have spent 340 bucks on merchandise and, diff- and autographs and different things at FanFest if it was all in one spot and you got to do everything. Yeah. But you're not going to spend 340 bucks to go talk to, you know, uh, Austin Hayes for three minutes. Right. Right. Uh, and, and the thing with the bowling, I think it was, I think it's 90 bucks a person. Right, it was something like that. Yeah, uh, from from what I it said, depended what package you bought. Because when I, I logged in a little bit late, so the only mm-hmm. option was a, a four people for three hundred forty dollars. Right, but you had to reserve the whole lane. Yeah, I, I couldn't just buy an individual ticket and they'd pair me up with someone. I had to buy a whole lane, which means I would then have to find three other people who wanted to go bowling and spend three minutes talking to Adley as he mingles around. Right, and you you know, and that was this morning. I think it was this morning. Huh. It's sometime sometime this week. I don't know. Gotcha. I I didn't end up getting tickets to it. Because the, the happy hour is free. but uh, So I guess to answer your original question, which is what am I looking for in that, uh, hopefully not an incredibly long line where I have to stand outside because it's below freezing today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's why she came up with me because we're going to go check it out when we leave here. Just kind of scout it out, see what it looks like. Because we don't know if they're going to be kicking people out at 3.30 to get ready for the happy hour, if they're going to let people come for lunch and stay through the happy hour. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that, that's a great point. With it being free to the public, I can't imagine them kicking people out. But right. so like I, I liken it to I, I I still work sparingly at uh, Baco Italian and Wine Bar, and during the summer months, the spring and summer months when it starts to get warm out, so we're talking June, July, August, September, they'll have the Boulevard, which is where Baco is. It's not like there's a there's a courtyard out front, but Baco doesn't own that. The restaurant that I work at doesn't own that Boulevard. Doesn't own that that courtyard. Yeah. Um, but they let us put tables out there and, and serve people. But on Fridays and Saturdays, a different throughout the throughout the summer months, they will have a band that plays. And so Baco's policy is, when that's the case, we're only supposed to do ninety minute seat times anyway yeah. um, to account for all the reservations that we have. But we're pretty flexible with that. Um, but it's supposed to be staunchly ninety minute seat times. So if the band starts at seven o'clock. You can't come at 4.30 and sit the rest of the night. We're not going to let you do that. Right. Right? Um, but people still try to do it anyway. You know, if you want to come 
And if you want to make a reservation for a courtyard table specifically, see the band at seven o'clock. We'll make that happen. Make sure whoever that, that people are out of that we don't see that table within an hour and a half. Right. Of course. Y- you know what I mean. But so so I'm sure that there's something like that in play yeah. at this brewery. Um, th- there has to be. Otherwise, it's madness. Right. Oh, yeah. Other, yeah. Otherwise, it's chaos, and then you just have people that could show up as soon as the doors open at eleven o'clock, get loaded, and then wait for the. And then once the, the these big names get there, make an ass out of themselves. Right. You know. Yeah. So, so I don't know. So that's that's why she came with me because we live down in Rockville. So that's a, you know, about an hour from Towson, which is where we are now. So, you know, it, it made more sense to to bring her with me, and she's content out there watching TikToks, and you know, we're gonna go see what it's gonna be like, and maybe you know, hopefully, talk to a host or hostess and see what's going on. Yeah. It but, it, uh, it should be. Uh, I think you're gonna have a good time. I think I think that. It's not going to be what you think. I think you'll you'll end up being able to get in. Yeah. Um, my suggestion would be, and what they really should do is not allow people to get in line before three o'clock. I agree. You but know, that's the thing. We don't know. That's why we're going to drive by and see if are, are people already camping out. Do, you, do people have you know lawn chairs out there and they're they're sitting in the cold, you know, trying to be first in line so they can have a seat at the bar and be served a cocktail by Mike Elias or Adley Rutschman? I right. don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like. And I right. don't know if the cold weather is going to make people shy away from it either. Yeah, so, it's we'll see. It's in the teens out there, yeah. it, which is crazy. It's, it's going to be near the sixties. It, it'd be so nice week. if if I could take my fiance and we could just go have like a nice walk around the harbor this afternoon before we go to the happy hour. Yeah, but go, it's just. Way I mean, you too can. It's not going to be pleasant. It's no, not going to be nice. Be ple- yeah, we're 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 going to not do that. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're not we're not fans of the cold. Yeah, I, I, I miss Fan Fest. I went to Fan Fest every year. From 2013 through, I want to say 2018. I think there was one year that I missed, and that's because like there was a weather thing that caused it to get canceled, and they had to move it to a different date, and I had to work that date. Oh, yeah. Um, but otherwise, I went. I remember going in 2013 and getting the Buckle Up Birds DVD yeah. um, and being so excited. I, I watched that thing probably five times be- between Fan Fest and opening day. Yeah. That that year, I it was so good. I I loved it. Uh, I still I still own it. I may I may have to watch it for nostalgia this weekend. I, I have it too. We'll, we'll pop um, it in. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it, Fan Fest for me, it was you go in there. There's all sorts of things to do. You have you have Q and A's throughout the day. Um, so it's it's one stop shopping is what Fan Fest is. Um, now I understand it's not. It's probably super expensive to rent out a convention center for an entire day. Now the other thing is your professional baseball team. So if you can't right. afford to rent, what are we? Have, that's another conversation that we got to have. <laughs> yeah. um, if you can't afford to rent out the convention center for a day, um, now the other thing is maybe they did the caravan because the convention center is right there in Baltimore. It's right there in the heart of Baltimore. They give, which is cool if you live within an hour. Right. If you live on the Eastern Shore or you live out in Garrett County. Or you live all the way down near Virginia, you don't want to drive that distance. You're to probably get, not to, coming for fans. Y- yeah. Right. Now, if we now, but if the Orioles say, "Hey, we're going to go out to Western, out to Western Maryland, and do a caravan there, and we're going to do one in Bel Air, we're going to do one in Salisbury, and we're going to do one in Rockville, and you know, in these different places, so that you can have something close to you." I get that. Yeah. I'd like to know if that's the reasoning behind, it. and I'm sure. That they discussed it, that they that they put when they did the first caravan, I think it was in 2019. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they, uh, no, it was in 2020, uh, before before the yeah. COVID thing happened. It right. was right around this time, and then COVID happened. A couple, uh, it was happening, but the 
the shutdown happened pretty soon after that. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure they made a statement like, hey, look, and I think I remember, like, hey, the fan fest is just kind of outdated and this, that, and the other. But I don't know. I loved it. I thought it was a ton of fun. I, I always had a great time when I went. And I always did the, the clubhouse tour. Even though I'd seen it every year, I always did the clubhouse tour. And then you get to go out on the field. Not yeah. on the field, on the warning track. But still, yeah. in the dugout, it was fun. I didn't fun. do that every year. But at, once in a while, I, I would I would do the clubhouse tour. But, you know, sitting in, at the Q&As with, you know, the different clusters of coaches or front office staff or players, you know, it, it that was that was a ton of fun getting to ask them questions and hear their insight on certain things. They'd have, you know, games and $15 for an autograph station that would have, like, three or four players on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, photo opportunities, claw machine, prizes all over the place. I bought one of those. Remember the, the Brian Roberts bobblehead that was they, – they came out black? Yeah, For, for yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. reason. I, I got one of those at FanFest for, like, 10 bucks. Yeah, and, you that's know, cool. There are little vendors all over the place buying baseball cards and – you know, grab some chicken tenders and sit down and play bingo while the, the while Ryan Wagner or, or some other player calls it. You know, it, it, there's just so many things to do. You could easily fill the day, lose track of time, and then it's, you know, 6 o'clock and they're closing up shop before you know it. But, you know, the, the caravans, it, it's fine, like I said, but, God, I miss FanFest. Yeah, I, and I'll, I'll tell you, um... The, I, what, what I used to love about FanFest also is if they have leftover merchandise from oh, their yeah. giveaways, yeah. they gave them to you. Yep. You would just walk through and pick what you wanted. Now, the line to get in there was super long. Normally but, pretty painful, and, but you'd get all the leftover t-shirts and bobbleheads and hats and, yeah, and, and everything. I, I um, wouldn't expect that to – I wouldn't expect there to be much these days, um, especially from now moving forward. Um, but th- when they were doing this before, they I mean, they weren't drawing a ton. You know yeah. what I mean? Or, or they do a giveaway on like a Tuesday night for the first 20,000 fans and they get 11,000. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so th- that was cool. That, that, was, that was pretty cool. But we have spent a lot of time talking about this and we do have to get to guests at some point here, which we're going to do. But right now we are going to talk about some other stuff going on with the, um, with the Orioles. Um, the first one is the Camden Yards lease expiration yeah. um exp- there's ex jeff barker wrote an article about this the other day the orioles had until february 1st to exercise a five-year extension at camden yards um they didn't exercise that extension option uh which means that if there is not a new lease agreement by next january they have to vacate camden yards that's not going to happen if you yeah. read the article um there's there's potential for a one to two year extension as well if they can't reach a lease agreement and the um the orals basically were are are saying look the reason that we didn't agree to the five-year lease extension is because it would have set forth a bunch of different uh let me let, let me uh let me find the correct verbiage here archaic provisions from 30 years ago. They would have been outdated provisions that they would have had to abide by with this stadium that were from 1992, not today's day and age. Right. Right. So that's why they didn't want to do it. And if they have, if they can't agree to a long-term extension, they do have a one to two year lease extension. So if they have to have 30 year old archaic provisions, at least they only have to have them for one to two years instead of five years. Um, the hope and the, the thought process here is that they're going to get an extension done, hopefully by the All-Star break, which they set the date of like July 11th, a 10 to 15 year extension, mm-hmm. so that they can 
really start to renovate and modernize the stadium. And it's a great stadium, but it's lacking in some areas. And they also want to do some stuff between um, Camden Yards and M&T Bank Stadium. Yeah. But they have to get this lease agreement signed first. And we saw the Ravens sign off. I think it was a was it 15-year uh, like lease yeah. agreement with M&T Bank Stadium a few weeks so. back. The Orioles are, are next in line. This is going to happen, folks. But there are people out there who legitimately believe that this is another sign that this team is going to move. And the first thing I want to say about that is even if John Angelo said, I want to move this team to Nashville, if he were to come out while we're doing this show and say, I have plans to move this team to Nashville, he's got to get 75% of the other owners to agree to that, and they're not going to do that. No, he's also got to get Major League Baseball to agree to do that, and they're not going to do that. Fred Manfred will, would block any move of the Baltimore. Did I say Fred Manfred? <laughs> Fred Manfred, Rob Manfred. I always get. I always do that. My entire life, my most of my life, it was Fred Manfred calling games for the Orioles. So I always call Rob Manfred Fred Manfred. I yeah. always do that. I'm, I'm so focused on the last name that I don't think about the I get first it. name. I get it. It's um, an easy mistake to make. But uh, Rob Manfred would never is not going to let the Orioles leave. No. And he said that at the winter meetings. Yeah. They're not going anywhere. So let's squash that. All right. My concern here is how bad of a look, the timing of all this. That's the only thing. Yeah. It, it's a couple of weeks ago, um, John Angelos had a really contentious press conference with, um, with Dan Connolly. Back, yeah. the, 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 it, was, it was not good. Then you factor in the lawsuit between the brothers and the mother. Then you factor in, is this team up for sale? And the low payroll? And how bad they were prior to last year? We don't... Uh, it's not a good look. It's really poor timing for this to come out right now. And maybe the timing doesn't look as bad if not for uh, John Angelo's going on. De de degrading... Uh, Dan Conley yeah. on a press conference that the entire state could see. Right. It, it yeah. was it was embarrassing. Um, y you you schedule a press conference for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, mm -hmm. in which you're going to announce a, a a large you know agreement and scholarship grant, which is great. That's a great thing to do. But you schedule the press conference for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and then you invite the media who has seen you, I think Connolly said this was their second time seeing him in about four years, maybe third time seeing him in four years. Second time in four years. Second time in four years. And then they ask questions about the team. You berate a well-respected reporter for asking you that question on Martin Luther King Jr. Day and telling him that he needs, it was like, get a grip or have some perspective, I think is what he said. Mm, he said, I'm going to take you to task a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have some have some perspective about what this day means. I'm not going to answer these questions about the baseball team on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. We're here for a different reason. And then goes on to say this, this baseball team has improved a lot since we we hired Mike Elias, and you know the the farm system has gotten really good. And so then he he offers to to Mr. Connolly and all I, of his I, colleagues and all of his colleagues. I would invite you all to come back to the warehouse next week, and I will open the books. I will show you everything you want to know. I will answer all of your questions. Now. Obviously, that was never going to happen. But right. I love that Connolly and his colleagues, for the whole next week, were just kind of sending out tweets like, still haven't heard anything, 
from from the Angelos family. We've reached out a few times. Still haven't heard anything about coming back. Mm. Well, he's in the middle of a lawsuit, and you know, coming out of the courthouse. It's it's a whole mess, man. And I and not to mention, and I, and I can't remember exactly what I heard, but he can't do that. He can't show everything, right? And when he does, and I heard it on Bruce Cunningham's show that that the the following Saturday, like they somebody one of the owners did that one somebody from owner, from the ownership group did that several years ago but everything was redacted there all the all these different things were redacted so you couldn't see a lot of what you were looking to see if if the if John Angelos is going to invite the media to come take a look at those that's exactly what they're they're preparing for is to redact everything that's yeah. that's vital and, and look he didn't need to say that and there's a lot of good that's happened since 2018 Sure. With with yeah. with this team, a lot of good that, that, that's happened, and you know, they're, don't, they're, don't hide behind Martin Luther King Jr. Day as he, an excuse to he not 100%, talk about. He one hundred percent. He one hundred percent shouldn't. He one hundred percent shouldn't, and it, it is a very very bad look. Because here's here, and here's the thing, man. I, be, like, be, be, before you continue, I yeah. try I try to toe a fine line with this because there are people involved with this show that don't want to be involved with talking about that. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Yeah. You know you know. So I'm not. I'm and I'm not. I'm not silencing you. You're. You, we both have the same opinion about this. I don't want to spend too much time just just crushing this because we agree, and yeah. a lot of people agree, and it it is a bad look. the 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 whole Martin Luther King Jr. Day thing, all of that, that is, it was stupid. Yeah, it 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 was stupid. Um, but out of respect for other people, and. Frankly, a lack of time. Um, That's just true. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do want to move on from that because it, overall, it's about the lease yeah. that, that, that we're talking about, and that's and uh, don't take that any other kind of way. Than no, I'm, I, I'm just, I get it. My, my, my last and final point is one sentence, and that is he's digging himself a hole. That's all yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Uh, the, the, you can make an argument that that this that this ownership group has been digging themselves a hole for twenty five years. Yes, you but I, I have defended John, thinking that he, you know, he has our best interest in mind as fans and has has taken a lot of steps to improve those things and in the past month it's I do fallen. ultimately believe that. I do ultimately believe that. I believe that he yeah, wants my that, confidence that he, level isn't what it was. I believe that he wants his team here. I'd like to see him and I believe that he that 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 he's made the right hires and taken enough of a step back from from the day-to-day baseball activity. Yes, to I, allow this I do team agree with that. to get to to a point where now they can be competitive yeah. and now they can be really good. I would like to see him back that financially. Right. That to me is the loan box that has yet to be checked. Yeah. Everything else that Mike Elias said that he was going to do with this ball club from top to bottom, he's done. Yes. Except and, and- the financial backing to add to this ball club and the spots that they need to add to, and I understand that 2023, you have so many young guys, and you have you have 11 guys that are represented on different top 100 um, prospects lists, and like eight or nine of them are knocking on the door at the big league level. Oh, so yeah. you have to evaluate a ton. So why do you want to give somebody eight years, three hundred million dollars to come play baseball for you when you may have that guy already on your team who's all who's still pre arbitration eligible? Right. So I get that. I, I I don't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. You, you didn't. Um so so but I, I'd like to see after this year, if Manny Machado opts out and it's like, you know what? Gunner can play shortstop Jordan Westberg can play second base. We really need a third baseman. I'd like you go. I'd like to see you go give Manny Machado five years, 
um, you know, thirty-six million dollars, three hundred sixty million dollars, or however much is that's that's way too that's, much. <laughs> that's way too much. I'd like to see you give him five a uh, year. Yeah, right. I I was thinking eight years, three hundred sixty million. I'd like to see you give him, uh, you know, five years, two hundred million. Yeah. You know, I'd like to see you make that deal for a Manny Machado if that's a need that you have to fill, for or sure. if there's a top of the line, or if Shohei freaking Otani is the perfect fit for this ball club. I'd like to see you... The Mets are going to outbid everybody. They're going to give him a billion dollars a year if they have to. But I'd like to see you say, all right, Shohei, you're 28, 29 years old. Here's 10 years, $450 million to come play baseball for the Baltimore Orioles. That's not going to be enough. You don't think so? No. No, it's it's definitely not. 10 10 years, it's going to be 500 mil at least. 500 mil at least. Which is that, man, we got to get Stan on the phone here. And... um, (laughs) um, while we get Stan, everything back. while we get get Stan on the phone, Michael Elias said the rebuild is over. Also said he expects Grayson Rodriguez to make the rotation, the Orioles rotation out of camp. But then went on to say um, a couple of days ago that um, Stan just texted me asking if I'm calling him. <laughs> yes. Um, but then said a couple of days ago during one of the caravan events that the only rotation spots locked down are Cole Irvin and Kyle Gibson. There's still right. three spots over. Now, you would expect if he thinks Grayson Rodriguez is going to claim one of them, um, then the other two would be Kyle Bradish and Dean Kramer barring injury. Yeah. But your, I, your thoughts on that while I get Stan on the line? I, I don't necessarily think that he is penciling Grayson into a starting rotation spot at this point. I do, however, think it's very similar to last year when Adley Rutschman was, was vying for an opening day spot where – the job was his to lose, and then he got hurt, and then he couldn't fill that role uh, to begin the season, and so they had to go with Chirinos and Bamboom. But the plan all along was for Adley Rutschman to win the opening day catcher job, and that didn't happen. With Grayson, in his case, I don't think it's a matter of um, assuming that he will definitely be in the rotation. I think it's a matter of it's his it, one of the five spots, aside from Gibson and Irvin, who are penciled in, one of those spots is Grayson's to lose. And like you said, the the other two, Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish, are more than likely, uh, if if opening day was tomorrow, it would be Irvin and Gibson, it would be Grayson Rodriguez, it would be Kramer and Bradish. Now, they all have to have a good, healthy spring in, in order for that to happen. And he also said that maybe they go with the six-man rotation. But we'll we'll see what happens. All right, I'd like to get this man's take on this on the line with us now um, for his weekly segment. He is Stan the fan, Stan the fan Charles. Good morning, Stan. How are you? Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're doing well, doing well. As I told you, um, Ryan is filling in for Zach. He's at a uh, scouting event today, so he wasn't able to make yep. it in. Um, and we're talking about some comments that Mike Elias made um, saying that the rebuild is over. The rebuild's behind the Orioles now, and they was talking about the rotation. And on, I believe it was Wednesday, Stan, um, Mike said that he expects Grayson Rodriguez to make the Orioles starting rotation uh, out, of, out of spring training. And then on Thursday, he said that there's that the only spots in the rotation lockdown are Cole Irvin and Kyle Gibson, and then the other three are up for grabs. They plan to go with a five-man rotation at least to start, though they did discuss a six-man rotation. Um, what Do you read anything into that? Do you also expect Grayson Rodriguez? I know we talked about this last week, but after Elias' comments, do you expect him to be part of this rotation? What are your thoughts on the comments made by Elias? Uh, I, I think I, I don't pay that close attention 
day to day to day to day. I mean, I think their intention is if he has a good spring and he's healthy, uh, I see no reason why he wouldn't come north with the team. But but historically, you always have the situation where, you know, there's so many off days, rainouts, uh, you know, in the first month of the season that, you know, when you look at his innings, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be some kind of giant setback if he ended up starting the season at AAA and got in 30, 40 innings down there, you know. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I'd like to see him start the I think all of us would like to see him start the year in the opening day rotation. But it's not the end of the world if he spends a month at at AAA to kind of, you know, build those innings up so that they don't have to shut him down in September in the middle of a playoff chase. So they they know what they're doing, Stan. I'm sure they already have a plan and they're not they're just not telling us what it is. Um Yeah, I mean the the calc the calculus on that though is is a little different when we say it wouldn't hurt to start him down there to build his innings up. He, he's not going to pitch. He's not going to throw more than 120, 125 innings tops between AAA and the big leagues. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's sort of the buildup is about 50, 55 innings. Maybe a little different if you're coming back from an injury rather than just building up. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, you know, I, I it's not the end of the world and if he's if he is starts the season at triple a i think it'll be a good sign that tyler wells is healthy uh both is pitching well you know it depends sort of who they who, who is looking sharp and crisp going into the season but again the key thing is i don't think they want him sitting around a lot missing starts because of the weather you know i think they they would rather could be able to control how they roll him out. So uh, that's the only option I see. Yeah. I, I agree, and you can also justify it more with somebody like Grayson Rodriguez if you need to you know, have him make three-inning, four-inning starts to begin the year rather than somebody else who's... Because there's going to be a number of guys, Stan, who are probably on a little bit of a limit at the big league level when you consider Tyler Wells, who had the two injuries, and you consider Voth only threw about 80, 90 innings last year himself, and uh, John Means when he comes back. So there are going to be guys that you expect to be on an innings limit as well. So Grayson Rodriguez, you can understand and justify a little bit more because he still hasn't been here yet. But ultimately... Yeah. I think what ends up happening is he ends up on the big league, in the big league rotation. I would think he ends up in the big league rotation, but the starts early on are, you know, four, five max. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you could see them, as the season and the weather becomes more consistent, I could see them going to a six-man rotation with this group, you know. Yeah, and Michael I said, and, and you've been saying this for couple of years now, Stan, they have 12 starting pitching options that are going to be in spring training. So they have the options, and the cool thing about it is that you finally have, no matter who of the five, uh, who of the 12 ends up in the five. They're qualified, they're qualified major leaguers now. Yep. They're not, you know, wishes and hopes, you know. Exactly. Well, maybe Bruce Zimmerman has a wish and a hope, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, the but, rest of the bunch is, is pretty... They're qualified major league players, and yep. some of them can be very good. Yep, they, they all can give you a chance to win every single day, and that's something we haven't had here in quite some time. Now, Stan, uh, 
they need a place to pitch. And in 2023, that place is going to be Oriole Park at Camden Yards. And if we're being serious about this, for the next 10 to 15 years, if not longer, that place is going to be Oriole Park at Camden Yards. But they had a deadline to exercise a lease extension um, from the 30-year extension, which was February 1st. They opted not to exercise that extension, which means if they don't come to a new lease agreement then uh, with Camden Yards, then the Orioles have to vacate Camden Yards after January of next year. Now, the reasoning behind this is that a five-year extension locks them into some archaic provisions from 30 years ago, and the Orioles don't want to do that. There's still the option, from what I read from Jeff Barker's article in the Baltimore Sun, that they can agree to a one- to two-year lease extension if they don't work out a long-term deal, but they expect a long-term deal to be done by midseason. They were hoping by the All-Star break, uh, by around July 11th. Are there... Any concern in your mind about what's going on here, about the timing of all this, or is it just business to you? Uh, I think it's more than business. I think it's sort of a vision that John Angelos has for how important the Orioles can be to a sort of a new rebirth of the city of Baltimore, where people are comfortable coming downtown uh, which hasn't been the case for the last five or six years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know. I think they're attempting to do something grander than just sign a lease and get some get some uh, repairs or upgrades to the stadium. I think they're looking at some type of vision of how to make that area more magnetic for people to come to and be something special. Now, how they accomplish that, I don't know, but I don't think they wanted to be bogged down with, you know, the provisions of signing what what would generally be a standard lease agreement. Mm-hmm. I think uh, John wants to, to be part of something bigger than that, and I think he wants this, this governor uh, to have a big win uh, as a partner, and uh, that's how I see it. I, I still read absolutely zero into the idea that the Orioles are going anywhere just because they haven't at least signed. Yeah, no, and we've talked about that at length in the past. No matter what, Major League Baseball wouldn't allow that to happen. So I, I that's not a concern in my mind. It's uh, a concern. I in think the- it was. I think it's one of the, the uglier parts of this lawsuit is, yeah. look, it's an interpersonal thing. But I think for Lewis to bring that up, you know, about, the, you know, he has a house in Nashville and he can move the team to Nashville, that ain't happening. Yeah. It just happens to be a coincidence. John's lived here for 53, 54 years, something like that. I don't know his exact age. He's lived here a long time. He's a pretty solid citizen of Baltimore, Maryland. The fact that his wife's career is in Nashville it's not like they can't afford airfare to go back and forth, right. you know. Right. No, and, so and the, I just think it was an ugly thing to do to appeal to these fears that Baltimoreans have that somebody's going to move their team away. Oh, he one hundred percent knew what he was doing with that. He he was, he was pulling yep. on on, yep. on the heartstrings, and yep. we all knew that. Yeah, we all knew that. So it, yep. it's it's they're not going anywhere. Never been a concern of mine. I just 
the the timing of it with everything else that's been going on over the last month or so, and then the other stuff before that, uh, it, it was just a it's a bad look timing wise. Um, and you're gonna have these people that come out of the woodworks with these complaints, and it's just kind of trying to squash that now because that's they're not yeah. going anywhere. And they're the reason, if you read the article, the reason that they haven't signed the, that they didn't sign that five year lease extension is very clear. In, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, uh, John Paul Morosi, he comes on MLB Network uh, last no- uh, yesterday morning on the Hot Stove Show, and he said he thinks the Orioles are legitimate contenders for a playoff spot, and then he expects them to buy at the deadline. We're going to get into that here in a second, Stan, but last week you said something, and it was right as you were getting off the phone, uh, so we didn't get to talk about it. You said you thought that the Orioles could be better than the Blue Jays, and I look at the Blue Jays and their roster, and it's pretty incredible now they, they've they've lost some guys they've had some injured guys and um but offensively and in that starting rotation they are nasty what in your mind makes it seem that the Orioles could potentially be better than the Toronto Blue Jays and that almost assuredly means that they are going to be a playoff te- team this year um you know I, I certainly look when my power rankings come out all mm-hmm. uh, the Orioles will probably be 13th and the Blue Jays will probably be five or six or seven. Mm-hmm. But over the course of a season, I could see a scenario where the Orioles are kind of the team that is building momentum and growing up in a big way and are able to, to trade at the deadline, have a lot of ammunition to do that. But I also see... You know, some upside with these couple pitchers they've picked up this year, Gibson and Irvin. Mm-hmm. I really like the Cole Irvin trade a lot. I did too. Um, yeah, I just think, I think you know, also <clears throat> young players can have setbacks, but I think we both agree here that because of their standing as number one prospects, that Rutschman and Henderson have a pretty good chance of being better this year than they were last year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when I add up the totality of the team and I look at what has to go right, look, uh, Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, Ryan Mountcastle have a lot to say about how good this team can be. They need to be better than they were last year. They need to be better versions of that. But, you know, uh, again, I'll put my money on Toronto finishing higher than the Orioles, I could see the season working out where the Orioles are the team that's improving and the Blue Jays get an injury here or there. I mean, their outfield depth isn't fantastic if Springer gets hurt. Yeah. And we know it sounds great to say, oh, we're going to move him from center to right to sort of preserve him. George Springer plays at, you know, at 130 miles an hour on every play. Uh, and he's just one poor judgment away from being hurt, you know. Yeah, uh, and he gets hurt every year. And they're a very, they're a vastly different team when he's in that lineup and yeah. healthy. Yeah. Uh, I, so. I, I agree. And I honestly, though, I think trading away Teoscar Hernandez. And then, look, I, I know there's been some talks about his conditioning, and you know, he had he started the year injured last year and kind of fell off a little bit offensively. But I think Teoscar Hernandez is one of the better offensive outfielders in the game. and They, they, they traded him for um, Dalton Varsha. Swanson. 
Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the, no, no, they traded him for Eric Swanson. For, for Eric Swanson, but then the, the, they're replacing him with Dalton Varsho is what I meant, and I, I, right. I, I misspoke. Right. Uh, now they're kind of banking on Varsho, and I'm not familiar with how good of a year he may have had last year. I know that he's a good young player, but I don't know that he's gonna ready to replace what Teoscar Hernandez gives that team, and I think they put a hole in their lineup, to be perfectly honest with you, Stan. Well, the one thing they were looking to do, first of all, most good teams were very anxious to improve their bullpens. And they watched how deep the Astros' bullpen was and that how, how much of a weapon that can be over the course, especially of a short series. You can really dominate when, you, when your starters don't have to go deep and then you've got six and seven guys that can all come in and pitch an inning or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they were looking to balance their lineup. They were so top-heavy with right-handed hitters, you know, with Bichette being right-handed, with Gurriel being right-handed, with Springer being right-handed, Hernandez Guerrero. being right-handed, Chapman being right-handed. I think they wanted to balance themselves out. They took a risk, though. That uh, that kid they gave up for Varsho is a hell of a player. You know, Moreno. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a chance to be really good. I think I got the right name, right? Gabe Gabriel Moreno, Moreno yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, not Morales. Okay. Um, but I think they were trying to balance their lineup uh, to be a little bit less right-handed heavy. Well, yeah, and especially if you have to, let's say that the Orioles and the Blue Jays are, are kind of battling it out like they were last year, and you got to go into Camden Yards and play Eight nine games towards the end of the year with that big with that big wall in left field, you definitely want to have some left handed hitters. Not saying that they made the move so they could specifically beat the Orioles, but it's just an example that they were very right handed heavy and they do need some left handed bats in that lineup. So I understand that, Ryan. You have yeah. a thought? Yeah, I just I just wanted to chime in. They 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 also added in addition to Varsho to balance out the lineup a little bit. They got Brandon Belt, who's a, a left handed first baseman. That's true. That's right. They have yep. Kevin Kevin Kiermaier in the outfield, and and I I just want to say I'm a big fan of Dalton Varsho. I was a little disappointed now. Stan, you mentioned Gabriel Moreno is a, is a great catching prospect. I agree with that completely. Um, I'm a big fan of Dalton Varsho, and I was a little heartbroken to see him come to the Blue Jays because I think he's going to have a heck of a career. He's he's a he's a good young player. I was looking at his stat line from last year, and he's got the power. And, and again, he's young, but he's not that young. He's 26. Yeah, and uh, he's 26. Yeah, yeah. he's a, he's uh, you know he's he's a, he's a, he's a, he guy comes with a little bit of risk. But, you know, because I don't think his profile was to be this powerful, you know. But uh, And he's also an underrated and really good defender. So they're, mm. if they can keep Kiermaier healthy, um, it'll be interesting to see how Kiermaier does with another team. You know, uh, I'm interested. He's a great defender uh, and and has his moments offensively but really has trouble staying on the field. Has trouble you know? staying on the field, and his value is more defense than offense. The thing that I look at with Varsho yep. is the, over the parts of three major league seasons, not a very high on base percentage. And last year, 232 right. with the 302 on base percentage. It's good to get the left-handed bat, but if they're striking out and not getting on base like like yeah, he was, he comes he comes with a little bit of risk, you know, because I don't want base percentage and yeah. probably a lot of swing and miss. But uh, powerful guy and a really good defender, I hear. Yeah, I can't say that I saw the Diamondbacks play at virtually at all last year. I never sat down and watched a Diamondback game, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, it, he'll probably be that one guy. Like every year, there's a guy that terrorizes the Orioles, and he'll probably be that guy. 
this year, and th- there's always oh, one of them, and it's always a left-handed yeah. bat. It- it'll probably be him. Uh, and Ryan's got a smile yeah. on his face because I-, I was just gonna say with Varsho, he's he's a catcher and he's a catcher who can play center field. So he's a heck of an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, almost like, right. and I'm not I'm not comparing him to Bryce Harper, but you know Kyle Schwarber. Those are guys who we saw come up as catchers yeah. and and convert to the outfield. Um, but I, I think I think he will help that lineup, and I think he's a, a perfectly acceptable replacement for for Teoscar Hernandez. Because okay. I, I think we've seen the best does, that does, we're going to see from him. Did he did he catch over twenty games last year? I don't think so. They, Carson Kelly was having himself a yeah. solid year in Arizona, so Varsho was right. pushed into the outfield a bit more um, and, yeah. and started to get that's some more. That's where he becomes playing. that's where he becomes valuable in a fantasy baseball league is if he's eligible to catch, which isn't hard to figure out. I'll he, his, he uh, is. He is. I, he he caught thirty-one games last year. He's yeah. caught eighty-two games in his three seasons. Yeah. Well, that's all. He doesn't even have to catch one game this year to be eligible, as long as he caught thirty-one last year. Yeah. So that'll increase his value. He'll probably go in my fantasy league. He'll probably go for seventeen, eighteen dollars, nineteen dollars, somewhere in that range, yeah. because yeah. of the the value of being a catcher. Yeah, it, it, look, it, he's he's a good player. I just when I look at Teoscar Hernandez, I link his poor perform his poorer performance last year to the injury that he had at the beginning of the season. I think that he's going to bounce back in a in a big way. Now, Stan, before we let you go, we're talking about these Orioles rotation options, and they have twelve in camp right now. And that's before you talk about um, about John Means. Now, I read an article or read a, read a tweet that said that from Rockabaco that said that they expect John Means back maybe by July or August, which is a lot later than I think a lot of us were expecting. I was expecting June at the latest. Um, but if John Means is able to come back in July or August, but the Orioles are cruising and they have five guys in their rotation that are getting the job done day in and day out, do you? What do you do with John Means? Do you put him right back into your rotation, and how do you justify that? If that's the case, look, John Means was the best pitcher the Orioles have had during a rebuild when they lost a hundred games three mm-hmm. times in the last four or five years. Right. It's not like he's Jim Palmer or Dave McNally in their prime. Sure. You know, uh, he'll either you know the worst comes to worst, he becomes sort of in mid June or July become sort of the piggyback with with um, Grayson Rodriguez to get through games, you know, um, where he's pitching. He Maybe he starts one game the next, you know, and then Rodriguez comes in after four innings, or Rodriguez starts and he comes in after four innings, you know. Um, he, he's a, to me, he's a luxury item if he comes back, uh, yeah. you know, and is, and is healthy. Uh, but again, to start worrying now about what are they going to do with John Me? It's not like John Me. He pitched a no hitter. We all know that could mm-hmm. have been a perfect game, but it's again, it's not like he's the second coming of Mike Mussina or Jim Palmer. No, you know? you're you're absolutely. Uh, I'm not worried. Right. About, you know, I'm not worried about it. To it's... me, if he's pitching well, that's that's a big plus for the team, and they'll figure Brandon Hyde and Mike will figure out how to how to. Uh, implement him into the into uh, the, the pitching staff. Certainly. It's a problem for another day and a good problem at yep. that. So yep. I get that. Sam, what do, you got, problem to have. what do you got coming up this week? Uh, uh, Monday night, 
we have uh, Eve Rosenbaum is going to join us. I know you've talked to her on occasion, uh, and looking forward to that. Monday at 6 o'clock. Then Thursday, we're going to have Jim Ferry on, the UNBC men's basketball coach. Of course, Mondays I do with Ross Grimsley. Thursdays I do with Gary Stein. So that's what I got in store for me this week. And then I'll be on with Glenn again next uh, Friday afternoon, Friday morning. All right. Well, we look forward to that, Stan. You enjoy the rest of your cold weekend. Stay All inside, right, man. Guys, you have a great weekend, Ryan and Paul. Right. Talk to you later. Thanks, Bye. Stan. Take care. And that was Stan the Fan Charles joining us for his weekly segment. I want to remind you that here in 2023, Stan still will continue to have great shows for you every week. Every Monday night, Stan and former Orioles pitcher Ross Grimsley uh, visit with a different guest from the world of baseball. And every Thursday night, Stan and Gary Stein chat with a different newsmaker from the world of sports. This past week, Stan and Luke uh, Jackson hosted an Orioles update, uh, an Orioles offseason update, excuse me. And then Stan and Gary called up with Baltimore Sports Collectibles' Danny Black. You can find those shows under the videos tab at facebook.com slash pressboxsports or at pressboxonline.com slash video. As Stan just alluded to, uh, this Monday he and Ross are back with another great show with Orioles Assistant General Manager Eve Rosenbaum. And then on Thursday, Stan and Gary Stein are back. Uh, they're going to be talking with UMBC men's basketball head coach Jim Ferry. And then he'll be back on with Glenn on Friday morning. So tune in for all of that. We have a little bit... I wanted to follow oh, up time? on something real quick. Sure. Um, I, I didn't want to, to beat this point home with Stan because you guys have talked about it a bunch and you had already moved on by the time I found the tweet I was looking for. But uh, regarding the Orioles in Nashville, uh, from Hayes Gardner of the Baltimore Sun on Thursday afternoon, former Major Leaguer Dave Stewart, who is leading efforts to bring an expansion MLB team to Nashville, said he has not talked to anyone with the Orioles about relocation. Quote, we personally don't have any interest in bringing the Orioles to Nashville end quote, he told me in an interview. And Nashville Mayor John Cooper has not had any conversations with the Orioles per a senior official in the mayor's office. It's not happening. Yeah, it's it's not happening. And As if we needed that kind of confirmation. Yeah, we, we knew that before that, right? And, and this whole thing, honestly, this whole thing got started back in 2019. It got started back in 2019 when... And, uh, a, a local sports personality who's still in the air, so I won't name him, had a guy on his show. Um, and I remember because I was on break, on a double. I was I, I was in the car on my way back to my house because I lived like seven minutes from the restaurant. And I was on my way back to the house when when this when he had this guy on, and the guy said it, and he said that there are talks that there were talks between. Orioles ownership and people out in Las Vegas that they want to sell to a, a, a guy that plans to move the Orioles to Las Vegas. And everybody was in a tizzy. Everybody was in a, I got upset. I got heart palpitations. I got anxiety over it before 25 minutes later when I finally calmed myself. And when I say calm myself, I wasn't like screaming, right. running around, <laughs> crying. But I was upset. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, Oriole Park at Camden Yards exists. Yeah. And that alone, that stadium alone is reason enough that the Orioles are never leaving Baltimore. No one's going to buy the team and say, I don't like it here. Yeah. I mean, they might not like Baltimore, yeah, but they like, but they love they're going to love that stadium. There there's a lot of cities that are that have baseball stadiums that aren't Detroit that, that yeah that don't have great reputations. Yeah. I I park in an alley that's a 10 minute walk from Camden Yards and not once have I and I've been parking there for 10 years, 11 years now. 
and not once have I felt unsafe on my way to or from the stadium. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I granted, I I go to a lot of games. I know where I'm going. I know where not to go. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's that is it, again. That's a whole different discussion. But the the unsafeness, I guess you'd call it, of the there's, area around Camden Yards is way overblown. There's parking at the stadium. Yeah. There's parking at the stadium, and there's law enforcement everywhere. Yeah. Like, come on. But people are going to point to the law enforcement that's posted everywhere and say, well, this is why you should feel unsafe. Well, that's it. You know what? I'm not going to say one way a, or the other. Yeah, I, 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 I get it. Yeah, I get it. But uh, I get but, it. But to your, to your point, they have Camden Yards. It's a great place to be. It's a great place for a baseball team. There's no reason anyone would come in and say, I'm purchasing this team, but I don't want to play here. There's no there's, reason at all. Yeah, I've never felt unsafe. I've been going to, to Camden Yards my entire life. There's no, I've never felt unsafe. I was down there, there during the riots, and I felt safe. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was not. I was up here. Um, that was probably smart, but you know, well, I was I was at the no fans game outside the uh, the. Were you holding up one of the signs? I wasn't holding up a sign, but I was out there behind the gate in, in left center field. Could you hear Gary Thorne bro- broadcasting the game? Could not hear Gary Thorne, but I could hear the crack of the bat and all the balls hitting the seats. And could you hear the the players talking and stuff? Very faintly, couldn't make out anything that they were saying, but you gotcha. could hear you could hear some chatter. Um, I remember that Chris Davis hit a home run. Oh, and bomb! And when they did the replay, they didn't do the replay of the broadcast. It was just him hitting the home run, and you could hear Gary Thorne calling the game <laughs> just in the background. Yeah. When he hit the home run, he goes, "Oh, he hits a high drive," and, and you, but you hear it faintly. I think you could you can hear the it on the on the White Sox broadcast too. I think you could hear it. Yeah, it, it was that that was cool. That was something I hope we never have to. Well, we did experience it again in 2020 with True, uh, yeah. no fans in the stands, but for different reasons. Ho- yeah, hopefully we never have to experience anything like that ever again. We got to catch a break. Uh, when we come back in, we will talk to Keith Law from The Athletic, about his top 100 list. He had six Orioles prospects, which were second most behind only the Dodgers. Um, But it's the omissions that that people are upset about. Uh, We're going to talk about that and more when we have Keith Law on the program that is next on The Bataround. There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual Best of issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. All right, we are back here on the bat around, and no, that's not Zach Goodman. That is Ryan Blake, who's filling in for Zach as he is out at a scouting event today, so he was unable to make it into the studio. Um, Want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by. Pressbox is Glenn Clark Radio, which is the definitive place to find the best daily discussion of Baltimore sports. You can watch the show every weekday from 10 to noon at youtube.com slash pressboxonline or facebook.com slash pressboxsports, or you can listen to pressboxonline.com slash radio with podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You never know who might pop up on GCR. This week, the guys caught up with retiring former Oriole Darren O'Day, former Ray Raven Brandon Williams before he plays in the Super Bowl, and all of the area's college lacrosse coaches, including Maryland's John Tillman. You can find those interviews and more right now in the Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. That's Glenn Clark Radio Week in Review feature at PressBoxOnline.com. And also, I just want to point out that next week, um, we're not going to have a – we're going to have Stan for his weekly segment, but we're not going to have a typical guest on the show. If you recall during the playoffs, and it was when Ryan was here uh, during the during the Major League Baseball playoffs, we had Luke Jackson in, and we did about an hour and almost two hours from 11 o'clock to nearly one um, with Luke Jackson talking some Orioles baseball. Luke is going to join us again next Saturday to sit in on the show in the 11 o'clock hour for the entire second hour of the show to discuss to – kind of have an Orioles roundtable as it's our last show before spring training begins so he's going to come in talk a little bit about expectations about the team as a whole um, the moves that they made in the offseason what he liked what he didn't like we're going to talk about all of that and more with Luke next week so be sure to tune in for that um, Ryan while I, while I get Keith Law on the show who is a breakout player for you 
for the 2023 season for the Baltimore Orioles in the in the big leagues. For the for the for the Orioles in the big leagues. Okay, yes. All right. I didn't I didn't know if you meant like a, a prospect that can break out. I mean, it, I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss that with Keith. It, it uh, could be, throughout. yeah. Oh man, a breakout candidate for the Orioles this year. Well, I, I'm not sure you'd call it a breakout if it's Ryan Mountcastle. Um, he he struggled a bit last year, although his his batted ball profile and his peripheral statistics were off the charts good, uh, and and you you expect much better results from him. So I I wouldn't call a breakout from him. Gunnar Henderson is too easy to predict. Um, I think I, I'm not sure Taron Vavra is going to get enough playing time. I will. I will go with Kyle Stowers. I, I think. I think he wins the. Uh, I think he wins a starting outfield job over Austin Hayes in spring training. And I think if he gets regular playing time, he sees left-handed hitters and right-handed hitters. I, I think he's got a shot to really solidify himself as a regular in this lineup. And so. To, instead of the obvious names, the Rutschmans and the Gunnar Hendersons and you know the guys who may get called up throughout the season, a guy who's already here, I think Stowers has a chance to break up. Yeah, I think that Kyle Stowers is is probably a popular pick. If he um, gets the playing time. If he gets the playing time. And, and we saw the reverse splits in the minors where he had over the 900 OPS both years uh, that he was at AAA. And... Then just rode the pine anytime there was a lefty on there. I thought it was fitting that when he finally got in the bat against the lefty, uh, he hit Put a him home in the run. bullpen. Matt yeah. Strong. Yeah, he. he oh, I, I, I don't think I cheered for a home run more than I did that one last. I night. was really fired up. And somebody who knows a lot about uh, Kyle Stowers and a lot about Orioles prospects in general from the Athletic, he is Keith Law, and he's live on the batter on Keith. Good morning. It's Paul. It's Ryan filling in for our co-host Zach. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? We're all doing really well. Getting excited because uh, prospect lists are out. The Orioles look like they have a ton of good players in the minors and in the majors. Looks like it's going to be an exciting season here in Baltimore. Um, and before we talk about those other prospects, I do want to talk about Kyle Stowers. And it's a great point that, that Ryan uh, brought up about him being his potential breakout player for the Orioles this year. He had oh, uh, re- like extreme reverse splits in the minor leagues against left-handed pitching. Uh, the last two years, but then he gets up to Baltimore and rides the pine against South Pauls. Do you know the reasoning behind that? Is there anything that you saw in his swing that would make you think that he wouldn't be able to um, live up to those expectations at the big league level against left-handed pitching? Well, probably because he, he can't hit. I mean, he is a way below average hitter. Okay. Um, he is going to swing and miss a ton. There's some raw tools there, but I'd be surprised if he even got 250 at-bats for this team this year. He's just going to be passed by much better players. He's had swing and miss issues going back to college. I saw him in 2019 in short season. I've seen him in the minors the last couple of years. I mean, they have they have much, much better players coming. Yeah, and I, I think we can all agree on that. Um, and you saw last, last year in spring training when he would get the at-bats that it just seemed like he was trying to golf a home run over the right field wall every every swing. So um, that it doesn't necessarily. That's kind of, unfortunately, that's kind of how he. That's kind of what he's always been, right? Because he can't. Because he's just not a very good hitter. And certainly, if you come inside to him, he's got real real issues. He's just trying to lift and pull, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of hitters try to do to compensate when they don't have just sort of the pure hit tool. And I mean, he may bounce around as a platoon bat for a couple of years for some clubs, but he is not somebody. I think the Orioles should be giving much playing time to at this point, especially given the guys who are likely to come up and debut for the club this season. That is that is an interesting thought. You know, I got to be honest; I haven't talked to many to many um, 
scouts or prospect rankers uh, about Kyle Stowers. So it's interesting to hear you say that about him because I never really thought about it uh, in that way. Now, the Orioles do have, like you said, they have a ton of prospects who are coming up behind him who are better players. You have six of them on your top 100 prospects list for the Athletic, headlined by Gunner, by Gunner Henderson at number two. Um, Gunner Henderson was closer to the bottom of your top 100 rankings last year. Now he's catapulted himself up after a monstrous 2022 minor league campaign and then never looking overmatched at the big league level. What has he done to reach near the top of your rankings? They've been, you know, this is partially to his credit and partially to the team's credit too, but there has been a constant uh, process of improvement with his swing. If you go back to honestly, where he was as an amateur and a little bit in 2019, he's a very different player now. And, I, you know, I'm always inclined to give credit to the player first and the coaching staff second, although from talking to Orioles people, too, I think this has been a, a joint effort mm-hmm. where there's been, and he has, it, it is, rather than a single thing, it's a number of small things from adjusting his hand position to loosening up his lower half a little bit. Obviously, he's improved substantially just in terms of pitch recognition as well. He got stronger, which helps, but that is not... Ultimately, he's become much more of a pure hitter who's going to get to power because of how strong he's become. And the fact that he has continued to not just hold performance, but improve his performance at each level where he's moved up... To me, that's one of the best indicators that a player is going to be a star. Those those players who do that tend to have much better outcomes than even guys who just hold or, or lose a little bit as they move up. Um, and to me, the fact that Henderson facing much better quality pitching in AAA and then especially in the majors, as you said, never looked overmatched. I have very little concern about what he's going to do this year, given what we saw him do against premium stuff last year. And, and I think I even said in one of my uh, Q&As this week, if you want to argue he's the number one prospect and Corbin Carroll is number two, I won't push back. They're both elite. They're both outstanding prospects. I think both are going to be stars. Yeah, and I was going back and forth about whether to ask you about that. I don't know enough about Corbin Carroll to be able to say Gunnar Henderson should be number one, so I was going to kind of leave that out with you. What are realistic expectations um, for Gunnar Henderson in what ultimately is his rookie year uh, at the big league level? So I, I really believe he's going to hit. And I feel like it is probably the safest prediction for a player like him to say he'll hit and the power might come a little bit later mm-hmm. because he's younger and because, you know, there's rookie hitters, especially when they have not seen a lot of elite pitching, you know, they can often fall into the habit of, well, I'll just, you know, we'll talk a little bit with Stowers, right? I'll just try to hit home runs. I'll just try to lift and pull as much as possible. I don't see Henderson doing that. I think he's too good of a hitter. Uh, too advanced of a hitter, too smart of a kid to fall into that trap. And mm-hmm. I think it's much more likely he'll hit for a pretty high average with a strong on-base percentage. And maybe you see 12 to 15 home runs and a bunch of doubles. And then more of the power starts to come later on as he gets more comfortable facing the better pitching and starts to be able to work on being more selective within certain counts, find that pitch that he can drive. Because I do think ultimately he's a 20-plus home run guy on a pretty consistent basis. And I've said in a couple of places, I think Henderson can play shortstop, and he might even be an above-average defender at shortstop. I think I have more as just solid average. He is an elite defensive third baseman. And ultimately, with the other guys they have coming, from Joey Ortiz down to Jackson Holiday, it may just be better for the organization to put Henderson at third in the long term. 
but I kind of don't care right now. Just get him in the line. You want to put him at shortstop? Great. Whatever gets him playing every day right now, I'm good with that. And you mentioned a lot of things like he's going to hit for average. The, the power might not come till the following year or the year after that, but he's going to hit a lot of doubles. Uh, and he's going to play elite defense at third base. And it makes me think of Manny Machado. And Manny Machado mm-hmm. in 2013, his first full year, he hit 52 doubles. Then he had the injury again with the other knee in 24, uh, hit with both knees really in 2013 and 2014. His first full season mm-hmm. after that in 2015, he hits 35 home runs. Uh, what is the comparison between a guy like Gunnar Henderson and a guy like Manny Machado? Uh, they're very different kinds of athletes, and this is not a knock on Henderson. Machado is another level entirely. Okay. He, okay. Had, he was twitchier. He had faster hands. He was a better athlete, a better uh, – he's not much of a runner anymore, but he had more speed when he was younger. I don't know that Henderson is that explosive of a player. I think of Henderson as more of a uh, – it, it, polish isn't really the right word, but it's a little bit of a more um, thoughtful approach now that maybe so he's not quite as explosive, but he makes up for that gap because his understanding of, like, like I said, working the count, recognizing certain pitch types is more advanced than Machado's was at the same age. Machado's obviously a heady player in different ways, but comparing the two at similar ages – Machado was the guy you dream on being a superstar because just the tools were absolutely ridiculous across the board. Hendersons are more plus. They're, they're really good, but he doesn't have the same level of quick twitch, explosive action. Now, but I mean, to your point about performance, could I see Henderson following a similar pattern? I, I, maybe not 35 home runs. Maybe it's 25 home runs in two or three years. But yes, I could see that. He hits a slew of doubles this year. And he would, you know, he's my preseason pick for rookie of the year yeah. at this point. But I don't, I think what you'll see from Henderson will be very good this year, but by no means peak. There will, my guess is we'll get a good season from him and then we'll see steady growth from him over the two to three years following as he gets to what his actual feeling is. Sure. Keith, this is Ryan here. Uh, I wanted to bring something up going back a couple of years. You were actually kind enough to join my podcast, which uh, oddly enough is now my podcast with Paul. Uh, who I'm, I'm filling in with <laughs> on this show, but uh, we, we talked a couple years ago following your ranking of the Orioles farm system 18th. And what, what stands out to me now as we talk about uh, the current crop of prospects is uh, in 2021, you had D.L. Hall ranked 49th as the Orioles' second prospect and Grayson Rodriguez 55th. Now, there's not a big separation between those spots in a top 100 list. The difference between 49 and 55 is incredibly slim more so than I think a lot of, of casual prospect list readers uh, realize. Uh, with that being mm-hmm. said, those two have since trended in opposite directions. And your, your justifications for having Hall above Rodriguez a couple years ago were, were perfectly sound. Um, those two have both dealt with injuries since then. They've kind of trended in opposite directions. Both are still ranked as top 100 prospects. But how do those two compare in terms of... Um, I guess, who has a better ceiling and who has a safer floor between those two, as you see it now compared to two years ago? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and I'm glad you brought up that point, too, about 49 and 55. It's not a big difference. I mean, somebody asked, I don't remember who the prospects were, but I said, you know, a guy ranking the 80s and a guy making my just missed list, the guys who are essentially, you know, 101 through 110, it's just not that big of a difference. Like, there's a lot of variance around these prospects and what they could become that 
small differences on the list are not actually that significant. Um, to your question about Hall and Rodriguez, so Rodriguez clearly has the safer floor. He's a big league starter right now. He just is, you know, and and he's a good one. I think ultimately a good one. There, there's going to be some ups and downs this year, certainly, and it probably didn't help that he was out for so long uh, with the oblique injury last year, and the Orioles were extra cautious about bringing him back, and that cost him some reps in AAA. But I also don't know that he's got a ton to learn there. Let him come up and maybe have some struggles against big league hitters and work on making adjustments, which he's done everywhere else he's pitched. In Hall's case, I think Hall is the better athlete. He definitely has the better breaking ball. And he's left-handed, and that's worth something. Uh, But we really haven't seen a lot of progress from him in harnessing all of that for just strikes. It's really just a matter of strikes, never mind better strikes. There's no reason on earth that D.L. Hall cannot have major league average control, but he doesn't. I give him a little slack because he missed most of 2021 with an injury. It was an elbow injury. He never had surgery, and there's no indication that he needs surgery. He was healthy all of last year. I I just, I'm almost a little frustrated with him because I've seen Hall a couple of times, too. He's too good to be this bad, right? Mm -hmm. The stuff is way too good, and it is a higher ceiling, ultimately. It's three pitches. You get him on the right day. It's three plus pitches. All three of those pitches could miss major league bats, but you got to throw strikes. He's got to throw strikes, or he's going to end up in the bullpen or in another organization. And I think that would be frustrating for everyone involved because we all see the talent. You talk to Elias and the other folks in the Orioles front office. He wasn't their draft, so they have no particular attachment to him. And yet they all see what he's capable of doing. It's just. Where's the progress? Where is this step forward? It is well past time, I think, for him to have become more of a strike thrower. And that's why Grayson's gone right past him. Because whatever you think of Grayson's ultimate ceiling, we could argue if he's a one or a two, he throws strikes and he goes right after hitters. And that counts for a lot, especially as you get closer to the majors. Now, Keith, you and I are on the same page about D.L. Hall, and you use the term frustrated, and that's how I feel because, like you said, the arm is elite. He throws three, maybe four-plus pitches. He should be an ace type of starting pitcher in his career. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I look at his numbers, and he had a 5.8 walks per nine rate at Norfolk last year. At the major league level, that dropped to 4.0, which still isn't a good number, but it's a significant drop, albeit it was only in about 13 and a third innings. How much do you think, because he was on the 40, he had, was added to the 40-man roster uh, last year before the lockout. Then they had the lockout. Right. He couldn't be around uh, around team officials or anybody involved with the team. He couldn't go to minor league spring training. He had to wait. How much do you think that stunted his development for last year, not being able to work out with the big league um, team? And then how much is that going to help him this year that he has a full offseason under the tutelage of Darren Holmes and Chris Holt? I would guess it hurt him more to not pitch for about three and a half months the year before, to just not get game reps. Sure. Then it hurt him to, to not work out, not be able to communicate with coaches because I think everything D.L. Hall has to fix happens on the field. I don't think this is stuff they need to work on on the side. Like, I don't think this is a mechanical overhaul or even a, a change to his arm swing. I, I think this is very much up to him. Okay. You ha- he has to, I'm oversimplifying a little bit, obviously, but he has to decide he's going to attack hitters more in the zone and that he's going to try, that there has to be more of a conscious effort to throw strikes and to accept that, you, you know, you might get hit. You might throw that fastball and miss your spot, especially because he's never probably never going to have a good command. 
I, I would live with fringy command and average control and then let the quality of the stuff play. Mm-hmm. He's, I don't think he's attacking hitters and going after hitters as much as he should. With that kind of stuff, you should pitch like you're Sandy Koufax. Like, no one can hit me, and I'm just going to attack. And if they hit you, you know what? You just go after them the next time because your stuff is still that good. And it, this is part of what's frustrating. I don't know that this is, you know, part of me was going to say, well, this is all sort of up to him. It's in his head. I don't know that. I don't really know the kid. But it does seem to me, just from watching him multiple times, delivery's good, athleticism's good, pitches, the pitches themselves are, are very, very good. What's left? It, it's kind of up to you, DL. Um, you got to go after God. Your stuff is way too good to be messing around outside of the strikes. Well, Keith, I, I agree with you. And for me, he's, one, he's my dark horse pick as a Rookie of the Year candidate this year. I think he's going to have a big year and kind of put himself on the map outside of minor league prospect rankings. And just a few more minutes mm-hmm. here with you. Uh, Jackson Holiday, or obviously the Orioles take him 1-1 uh, last year. They saved a little bit of money by doing that, but he's still deserving of being that high of a pick. He's got the major league pedigree uh, coming from um, being the son of former all-star big league outfielder Matt Holiday. He comes in on your rankings at number 19 after only playing like a month and a half at, at, of pro ball. What is his ceiling? Could he be a number one overall prospect this time next year? Uh, yeah, it's possible. I might say it might be a year beyond that, and mm-hmm. that's as much a function of guys ahead of him, too. Uh, it's a great swing, and he's a shortstop. Those thing, two things to me are going to carry you a long way. Right? Mm-hmm. I really believe he's going to hit, and I absolutely think he's a long-term shortstop. What that ultimate ceiling looks like, probably we'll, we'll get a much better read this year. He's going to, I assume, start back at Delmarva. He finished at Delmarva, which is where I saw him last year. And he's a little overmatched. He's never seen stuff like that before, but not so much so that I was concerned. More like, hey, this is a really, really advanced 18-year-old who was in high school a hot minute ago, and it's holding his own, seeing better quality stuff. And like I said, I love the swing. Obviously, he's got a really, really great feel for the game. The worst thing I could say about him that one of the games I was at, he actually sort of caused a misplay through trying to field the ball that the center fielder should have gotten. And I just interpret that as Holiday probably made all of those plays in high school. He was the best player on the team, right? This is just a matter of learning what it's like to be in a pro environment. If that's the worst thing I can say about you, you're really pretty good. So I, I expect him to have a really big year at Delmarva. Maybe we're talking about him as a top 10 prospect this time next year. And we'll just see how some of the other stuff progresses. Like, what's his pitch recognition like now that he's facing much better quality pitching? Where does the what's the trajectory for the power over the long term? I don't think he has his dad's power, but he's strong and he's going to hit for some power. But I think there's a lot of variance around that projection, and we'll be able to narrow that once we see him play even a half a season. If we have this conversation again in July, we probably will know a lot more about where Jackson's future goes with the bat. Sure. Keith, we, we joked a bit when I had you on my show a couple years ago about uh, how every, you, you hate every team equally, right? And, <laughs> and this, this was a big, a big point of contention in 2021 because you had ranked the Orioles 18th uh, out of 30 teams, while, while most other publications had them in or around the top 10. And a big point that we talked about was that it's hard to have a top-tier farm system when you completely neglect the international market. And then fast forward to last year, 2022, the Orioles are ranked 10th in your, your farm system rankings, 
and the only international prospect in their top 20 was Cesar Prieto. Now, you did mention in your blurb about them Samuel Basalo and Michael Hernandez, and then in this year's farm system rankings, you also tease that perhaps Samuel Basalo is in your rankings again this year um, as, as a prospect. Now, it's safe to say that the Orioles no longer neglect that market, and yet mm-hmm. you have... You have increased the Orioles uh, every year since Mike Elias took over. They've jumped at least six spots in your overall farm system rankings, and yet you still take flack from Orioles fans for not having them ranked number one. Isn't the increase <laughs> that you have given them year after year, isn't that exactly what we should want? Absolutely, and they're doing most of the things you want them to do. The, number, the, the, the biggest problem that they had prior to Elias and company taking over in terms of just bringing talent into the system was international. They just didn't play at all. We can pick apart some of their drafts. We could talk about whether they were productive enough in some of their trades. But the biggest flaw was they just sat out the international market, which almost every other team was involved in. The Marlins were the only other team that didn't really play there. And they've also jumped back in. And I like what they're doing. And I think Basayo, so far, he is the gem of their international free agent efforts, but they're also still still going, still after those guys, still finding guys, still paying seven-figure bonuses, which is what you really have to do to get the elite talents from that level. And I think it's really starting to show. And now at this point, the only real criticism I have left of the Orioles system is that there's just not that much starting pitching. We talked about the big two, and Cade Povich is more of a back-end starter prospect. That's kind of it for future starters, and that's why you're seeing them do things like trade um, Hernaiz for Cole Irvin. And I like Hernaiz a lot as a prospect. He had no place to play in this organization. But I do think he's got a chance to be a big league regular. They're going to have to keep doing that because they don't have the pitching in the system. But that's it. Otherwise, this system, I mean, honestly, if there was a little more balance between position players and pitchers, they might be first overall on my list. It's the only thing holding them back from ranking a little higher behind and i've only got them behind the dodgers whose system is really kind of incredible at this point and cleveland which has probably comparable overall talent to baltimore but a better balance between hitters and pitchers and that's why i had them two and three as opposed to three and uh, three and two respectively it's it's a, a fair analysis and, and and fair rankings based off of that uh i don't, I don't have any complaints here no, me neither. um when you were on glenn clark radio last year when i was producing a show for a brief period you, you told mm-hmm. us that you thought Joey Ortiz would be the Orioles' starting shortstop by the second half of 2022. Jorge Mateo was the best defensive shortstop in baseball last year. He led the American League in steals, uh, but the bat is just awful. 221 average mm-hmm. and 267 <laughs> on base percentage. Joey Ortiz is on your top 100 rankings uh, list this year. Does he have a chance to take Mateo's job at some point this year and what is his long-term future? I really hope the answer to the first question is yes, and the sooner the better, because that 267 on base, I mean, this is, this is what Mateo is. I understand mm-hmm. there's value to the defense, but he is the most automatic out maybe in baseball in every, any everyday lineup right now, uh, especially now that pitchers aren't hitting. Uh, and the fact that I could even compare him to pitchers hitting is probably a good sign of what I think of his back. <laughs> right. Uh, honestly, if, if Ortiz, so for folks who don't know, Ortiz, changed his swing during the pandemic, played about a month in 2021 and was great, and then hurt his shoulder, had surgery, missed the rest of the year. And when he came back at the start of 22, he was not 100%. You could see mm-hmm. it. He just did not look right. And I don't know if it was just rust or if it was getting strength back in the shoulder. The second half, 
he was outstanding. He was much more like the hitter I really thought he was going to be. And I buried him in 2019. I saw him after the draft, and this guy, there's no bat there. No hit, no power. I don't know what they got. He got stronger. He changed his swing. He's a different player. And what he did in the second half of last year, that's the guy I thought Ortiz was when I saw him in May of 2021, actually here in Wilmington, right as the minor league season started. I don't think he's going to be a a big power hitter. I think he's going to hit for a lot of average with a lot of doubles and play the heck out of shortstop. And that's a solid, solid everyday player with a chance to be above average. And I I think their best alignment is him at short and Henderson at third, and they'll have one of the best defensive left sides of the infield of any team in baseball and get pretty good production out of both of those guys. I hope by the time we get to July 1st or so, that that's what they have. But if they say they want to let Ortiz play in Norfolk for a couple of months, given the time he missed in 21, I also have no objection to that. Yeah, I I, I think that uh, you talked me into him last year, and I saw nothing uh, um, in the se- the season that ensued that uh, made me think any less of him. I'm I'm hopeful for Joey Ortiz myself. So, and then finally, uh, last thing, last thing. Why do you hate Colton Kowser? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I figured that was coming up at some point. You know, it's a funny story. I haven't told this anywhere. Um, but Kowser was originally on. My, my top 100 is a bit of an iterative process. And I actually had him on earlier drafts of the 100 and then wrote him up and looked at it and I said, you know what? That, that's not a top 100 guy. I can make better cases for other hitters because he's got real issues with lefties. And he's got real issues with off-speed stuff, even in the zone. And I think there's going to be enough of that there. He doesn't have enough upside in terms of, like, he's not a 30-homer power guy, Mm -hmm. where it balances out the fact that there's going to be a fair bit of swing and miss. And he may not hit for as high of an average as you think, as the Orioles probably thought when they drafted him fifth overall. And it's, by the way, I'm not criticizing the pick. I think I had him 15th on my board in that draft. So he was very much a first-round talent in the draft class i just think that that's probably not quite as advanced as as most people believed he's going to struggle a bit with contact he's not going to have enough power to make up for it he's going to end up playing a corner that may still be a very good everyday player but it's hard to look at what he is what his current skill set is and his current deficiencies and see any chance for a star and as i started to line up guys in the top 100 i i really pushed guys with a chance to be a star it's what pushed Drew Romo, who I think is a solid average everyday catcher for the Rockies at some point soon, it pushed him off the top 100 because I don't think he can be a star either. They're both very good players. They're both real prospects, but there are prospects who are better, including six in the Orioles' own system. And I could actually argue for Connor Norby, who if we're just talking subjectively, I really love Connor Norby. Like, Mm -hmm. I really want to – I like watching that guy play. I actually like him more than Colton Kowser, if I'm being objective – I think Kowser's probably got a little more ceiling. But if you're saying, which guy do you want to pay 10 bucks to go watch play tomorrow? It's Norby. That guy, I just love watching that guy play. I love watching him hit. Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Connor Norby guy myself. I, I, I think the bat plays, it's just he's got to find the defensive position. Now, um, mm-hmm. uh, Keith, I know we said twice in a row now this was the final question. Do you have time for a follow-up <laughs> from Ryan? It's, it's very sure. brief, I promise. Sure. Um, I, I just wanted to bring sure. up, you ranked Colton Kowser 52nd in your top 100 last season. Um, the, mm-hmm. the, the very end of that blurb, uh, you wrote, his floor as a corner outfielder who hits for a high average with some doubles power would still make him an everyday guy. And I just wanted yep. to ask you, is that, is that still the way you view him, or, or do his struggles against lefties bump, him, bump his floor perhaps down a bit? 
Yeah, there's a chance he's a platoon guy, right? I guess that's that's probably a fair question. I, I'm not betting on that, but if we're talking floor, there is a chance that that's what he is, that he needs a caddy against left-handed pitching, that he mashes enough against righties to be the strong side of a platoon. I'm not there yet. I'm not saying that's what he is. I, I'm not comfortable consigning him to that. Um, I think he, he'll end up a guy who's got a platoon split, but does enough against lefties that he can play every day, and that maybe his floor is more like a soft regular. But I, I, you know, I'm conceding the point. I think you're probably right. Or a more realistic comment on his floor is that he ends up a platoon guy in a corner, but who does enough against righties that he's a, a longtime big leaguer, like a Mitch Moreland type, but in the outfield instead of being at first. And Mitch Moreland had a really nice, like, fairly long big league career, made a lot of money. But that's, I could see Kowser having a, a career like that. And maybe Orioles fans would be a little disappointed if the fifth pick turns into that, but I would say that's okay. Like that's For a first-round pick, that's a pretty okay outcome. It could be much, much worse. Yeah. All right, final. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Keith, this was great. Thank you so much for joining our show, guys. You can read him over at The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter, at Keith Law. Is there anything else that we can plug for you before we let you go? I'll just mention that my top 20 for the Orioles with an org report where I talk about the potential impact for this year and name a sleeper for the system, that will run on Tuesday. We're going one division a day. The NL East reports run on Monday. The AL East reports will run on Tuesday. Uh, I really look forward to reading that. Keith, thank you so much. We will talk to you as we approach the draft. Thanks again. Have a great weekend. My pleasure. All right. See you. Take care. That was Keith Law from The Athletic joining us. And, you know, I got to be honest, uh, I didn't take fault or issue with anything he said about why he did his rankings the way he did his rankings. And, you know, I was going to ask him how I was I, I was back and forth, right? Because you don't want to put a guy on the spot. You don't want to um, make somebody not want to come back on your show. So I was back and forth about whether I should ask him why all these other publications have Gunner 1 and he has Gunner 2. He explained it before I could even ask him if I was going to at all. And his explanation is, look, if you want to put Gunner 1 and Corbin Carroll 2, I, I can't argue with you. These, both both these guys are outstanding prospects. So it's really for him, it's a 1A and a 1B, it seems like. Here's here's the thing. It's it's easy to look at someone like Keith Law on Twitter posting his, uh, his rankings, whether it's the farm system rankings, whether it's top 100 prospects, whether it's organizational prospect list. And say, oh, this is this is so much different from uh, the consensus that I'm used to seeing. This guy must be wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Prospect lists are not uh, they're not set in stone. They're not even close. We haven't seen most of these players at the big league level. For some players, AAA to the majors is a massive step up. Look at a guy like Chancisco, raked all through the minors, got to the bigs, and couldn't hit anything. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's unfair to come at someone like Keith Law for having slightly different rankings from what we're used to seeing when every time I when I talked to him two years ago and we talked to him today he he has solid reasonings for everything mm-hmm. and so you know cut like, like I said when, when I when I asked him my first question in in 2019 when it was you know the off season coming into the 2019 season the Orioles had just hired Michael Elias he ranked the farm 30th it, it was the worst farm system in baseball yeah. Every single season since then, it has jumped at least six spots and is now number three in baseball. We're going to be mad at him because they're not number one? Yeah. That's a massive step uh, up. What I've realized about Baltimore sports fans is that we generally like to 
go through life with a chip on our shoulders, right? Yeah. And you can have a chip on your shoulders about the Orioles for a number of things. I'm not going to hold that chip on my shoulder because Keith Law ranked them third uh, out of tw- out of 30 farm systems, or because he had uh, Colton Kalser at number 101 instead of number 97, or because he has Gunnar Henderson at number two instead of number one. The guy still is giving the Orioles credit. He's still sitting there saying this is a really good ball club with a really good farm system. And he's not wrong. They need more starting pitching options. You know, and uh, Seth, I'm I'm intrigued to see what Seth Johnson can be. I'm intrigued to see what Cade Povic could be. But you could also get to a point where you don't need those guys. And, right. then, and then you're trading them. Maybe somebody else values those pitchers more than you do. You know, and, and that's, that's the other thing. There's a good chance that that's the case because clearly – these prospect rankings are done by people giving their opinion, their expert opinion, based on what they've seen, right? So if I talk to Kyle Glazer or Kylie McDaniel or uh, Jim Callis or Jonathan Mayo or Keith Law, their opinions are going to be different. They, they, four out of five or five out of six might have Gunnar Henderson number one, but that might be the only... Uh, agreement that they have there. They may agree on the overall talent of the player, but might think that this guy's a little bit more talented than this guy. And that's fine. Exactly. It's it's Again, it's your opinion. It's subjective, yeah. right? Ranking the Orioles' farm system third is far from an insult. Yeah, far from Not an insult. Not even close. And look, it, it's up to these players. It, Colton Kowser, for example, if he wants to be a top 100 player, and this is, and the other thing is, these are the top 100 players that they project to have the best big league careers. And that's why they're fluid and always changing because there's always players coming in, always players showing out that these top 100 players are not all going to be the same next year. It's, it's case in point that Grayson Rodriguez was 14th on his on his list last year and he's 15th this year. Or uh, Colton Kowser was 52 last year and this year. And, and Colton Kowser had a nice season. His first full year bit of pro ball and he got to AAA where he struggled, but he made it all the way up to AAA in his first full year pro ball. And he dropped off, he dropped more than 48 spots to drop off the list. It's the, who, are, who today does it seem like is going to have the best big league career? 100 of them. The 100 best big league careers. And that's, that's what he's ranking based off of. So yeah. I take no issues. I've never taken really any kind of issues with Keith Law. I used to get a little upset when he would talk about Grayson Rodriguez because he was the only one. Well, he, Keith used to hate Grayson's mechanics. Yeah. Yeah, he, he did. He, he always talked about his mechanics and the delivery. He was going to end up getting hurt. But then when I read about him in his rankings, even though he dropped him a spot in his rankings, he put in there... Look, he's got three really good pitches. His slider is his worst pitch, but I'm not going to sit here and say it can't be better. It won't get better because he's got that strong arm power. Most of the scouts I talk to call him a, a, a high number two, but I'm not going to hold it against him to become an ace. That, that, that's basically what he said in, in, in a nutshell. Yeah. It, like, respect the guy's opinion. Glad he was able to come on the show and not even ex- he didn't need to explain himself to me, but put it out there why exactly what, what exactly what went into his rankings. Right. So yeah, it's, it's good to get that perspective on more than a blog. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And honestly, nice guy. Yeah, nice guy. The, 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 nothing about him says to me that he hates the Orioles. No, and he he really does. I I enjoy his 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 Twitter feed because he really does lean into, you know, oh you hate my team. Well, I hate every team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 just ask all, their fans. All fan 30 base. teams, yeah. You're, you're going to have fans of every single team coming after him for something. Mm, exactly. I saw a bunch of Red Sox fans getting mad at him the other day for ranking a guy like 10 spots ahead of another guy in their system. Like, who cares? Yeah. 
It's ten spots. Yeah, you got that's like it's nothing, and no. you, you you've got two really good players. So yeah. Um, all right, we are going to do sounding off now. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're gonna do sounding off now. Sounding off um, is brought to you by. Dude, the more you by uh, me, by me. This no, is no. The, the more I think about this sounding off that I've prepared. It's <laughs> you know what, you know Intr- what. Let's reset. Do your ad. No, we're gonna we're gonna do a reset. We're gonna do a reset because we sat there and we we talked about prospect rankings. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take our break. When we come back in, we're gonna start off with sounding off, and we're gonna lead that into Orioles banter. And then take another break and get get some trivia later in the program. Today's show brought to you by. Pressbox offers. Great offers to sign up for sports betting are available now at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers, including $150 in free bets if you sign up with FanDuel and make just one $5 bet. So, guys, women, everybody, children, you know, aliens, uh, <laughs> bet one $5 bet with FanDuel, and PressBox is going to give you $150 in free bets for one $5 bet. That's nothing. That's like a Big Mac. But you have to sign up through the link at PressBoxOnline.com slash offers to take advantage of this and other great offers. Go do it now or you will be missing out. When we come back in, Ryan's going to sound off a little bit about something a little bit more uh, fun than serious. Uh, and then we're going to do some Orioles banter. That and more next on The Battle Round. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets start at over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license, and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has up their game. They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food. 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. I'm Griffin Bass, and I have the extraordinary, mind-blowing, and life-affirming pleasure of being the new producer for the absolute funniest, smartest, and most handsome sports host in all of Baltimore. Wait a second. Glenn, I'm working for you, not Jeremy Kahn. If you're not listening to Glenn Clark Radio, here's what you're missing. He's Coach Kevin Willard. Glenn, thanks for having me. Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Rashad Bateman. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is outfielder Cedric Mullins. Thank you guys for having me. Mr. Marcus Williams, who's now with us. Man, appreciate it. Happy to be on. Ravens kicker, Justin Tucker. Thanks for having me. Adley Rutschman. Absolutely, thanks for having me on. John Angelos. Thanks a lot, good to be with you. Ryan Mountcastle. Thanks for having me on, guys. Marlon Humphrey. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Talia Tungavailoa. Thank you guys for having me. He is J.K. Dobbins. Thank you for having me, I had a great time. The great 
Ray Lewis. Always good to be on. He is Mr. Cal Ripken Jr. Good chatting with you. Watch Glenn Clark Radio at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio or anytime on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Back in here on the bat around, rolling right along here on a very cold but lovely sunny Saturday morning in the Baltimore area. Want to remind you today's show is brought to you by the latest edition of Pressbox, which is available now. And it's our annual best of issue on the cover. Of course, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year. And he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. All right, time for sounding off here with Ryan. Uh, I almost called you Ryan Goodman. With Ryan Blake, <laughs> who is replacing Zach Goodman today. What you got for us? Yeah, I, I keep looking at it and laughing. Um, so normally when I, when I guest appear on this show and am tasked with writing a sounding off segment, I, I take it pretty seriously. And that's not to say I didn't do the same this week, but it was late last night. I was I was tired, and I couldn't come up with anything um, anything real, I guess, to talk about. And so I went a little bit off the rails, but it's okay because I think it's fun. Um, so last year, Paul, as we know, the Orioles introduced the home run chain, mm-hmm. Love which it. which is it's a great celebration, and I I want to be clear that I hope that continues through this season. Uh, and and beyond, but it is a new year, and perhaps the Orioles would like to switch up the home run celly for 2023. And if that is the case, I have some ideas that I would like to present. Okay, is this like a top five? Like should we do a drum roll like David Letterman? No, I just uh, it's. I think I have like ten on here. I didn't number them. Top ten, like I David just, Letterman. Sure, why not? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I have eleven. You have eleven. Top All eleven. Right. Anyway. Uh, and they're not in any particular order. Uh, a full Oriole bird mascot outfit, or at the very least, the head. Not just the hat, the whole head. I know they have more than one. Leave one in the dugout, crown each player who goes yard. Uh, a pair of orange Jordans in whatever Felix Bautista size is. They all have to wear them. Uh, an orange tutu. The Orioles already have one of the best-looking teams in the league, in my opinion. Why not add a little something to make them even prettier? Uh, release a flock of doves from the dugout, or better yet, a flock of Orioles. Flock of seagulls. Flock of seagulls. Who? Uh, any any kind of bird. Who wouldn't love that? Uh, what else we got? Face paint. Hire an artist to sit in the dugout and wait for a player to homer, and then paint them up until they have to go back out on the field. I'd love to see someone take the field with a whole full Mike Tyson tattoo on the on around their eye uh, in face paint. Um, a mandatory curtain call, whether the team is home or away. No matter how in- inconsequential the home run is, you got to step out of the dugout, tip your cap, and take a bow for every single home run. Uh, silly string. Just absolutely blast the home run hitter with silly string as they enter the dugout. Uh, or a confetti cannon. Blast them with confetti. Uh, whack-a-mole. But every player, every, every hitter, every position player, excuse me, who is not in the lineup has to participate in the whack-a-mole game. 
Um, wait, 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 wait. wait. Re- repeat that again. Every position player who is not in the starting lineup that day has to participate in the whack-a-mole game. So all the reserves so the, have to be the moles to get whacked. Right. So the home run hitter has a little a little mallet, and then all the reserves, I don't know, they they build a little a little box with holes for the heads. Like what we saw the tight ends do in the Salvation Army. Um, yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, just like that. Was that the inspiration for this, or you just no, re- not at all. Okay, no. Um, a beer bong. I don't. I don't have to explain that one. All right. And then uh, last on the list, a lap dance from Brandon Hyde. Uh, reason being, uh, a, a player hitting a home run kind of makes the manager look good. It puts them in the right spot at the right time. They go yard. Manager looks good. We saw we saw a lot of that with Brandon Hyde last year. The players kind of bailed out some decisions he may have made throughout the course of the year. Um, I think Hyde should return the favor. And what better way to do that than with a celebratory lap oh, dance man. after home run? So Orioles, if you're listening, I have plenty more ideas. Feel free to hit me up. All right. So I'm going to go through these. I wrote these all down. Okay. Um... The Oriole bird head. That's doable. It is doable. That is doable. Not, not the whole mascot outfit. That's going to take too long. But the Oriole bird head? You can do that. Absolutely could. Or you could do like the floppy hat and the Hawaiian shirt. So here's, is that, here's is that the thing. Too well, basic? no, I like, I like that. Um, I think a lot of teams already have like something that... Like, yeah. Like the, the Blue Jays have right. their jacket, the blazer, right? Um, I, 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 when I started this, to be honest, I was going to try to come up with some like real actual things that they legitimately could do. Uh, the, the Oriole bird head is one of the few that I think would actually work. And the, then, the, and then I just went, I the, went the, sideways. the, the Oriole bird head is, that is 100% doable. I love that. I love that. The orange Jordans and whatever, um, in whatever size Felix Bautista wears, he has to wear at least a, a sixteen. And you know how Lodi Nada used to have his shoes has his feet were so big and so wide, his shoes had to be delivered one to a box. Wow! Did you know that? I did not. know His that. shoes were delivered one to a box. That's amazing. That's crazy. Um, it's the only reason it's not doable is because it would take too long. You'd have to it, take it, off your cleats and you, put those on. Right. You now, if you just had like these big. Jordans that they could put on, but then you're also risking injury because the, you know what I mean. Yeah, I was gonna suggest like clown shoes, but then I was like, no, that's a bad look. Yeah, because now you're calling your your players yeah, clowns. Don't want to um, do that. The tutu is an equally bad look and also might take too long. <laughs> um, face paint is Major League Baseball would fine the players for wearing face paint. Who I cares? Um, but maybe different colored eye black. Sure. Diff- like it. Like that, that is where the inspiration came from. Yeah. It's like. Extra eye black, design it however you want, but right. Throw face the, paint the, on there. The flock of birds, Peter would be coming after you. They're already coming after Jimmy's. They're yeah, in the, they're in the stadium. It's more already. more of a pain in the ass than you want it to be. Um, yeah, I guess. And it's a lot of money on birds. You, these That's birds true. would have to be well trained to come. Like, oh okay, yeah, you can go, but come back. Yeah, you have to train them to come come right on back. Yeah. Um, the curtain call. The, 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 no matter who the player is, has to do a curtain call. No matter who the player is, no matter whether you're home or away, no matter if it's a, a ten to one game in the ninth inning and you're losing, you have to do a curtain call. Oh man, uh, that would be funny. Um, silly string in the confetti cannon. I think that that's doable. I think teams actually already do. I, yeah. I feel like I've seen teams do that. I think con- confetti is definitely more doable than silly string because the silly string you'd have to like peel off. Confetti yeah. you just brush. Yeah. Uh, whack-a-mole with reserves is also doable, but then it's, um, but you know, there, there are days when you, when, you know, Gunnar Henderson will get a day off and he's part of that or uh, your starting pitcher 
from last night is off today. He's Adley's going to have a lot of days off. No, just a- position players. Oh, Start, just, yeah, just start, position starting players. pitchers don't have to be involved. But there's, okay. no, there's normally three or four st- uh, position players on the bench per, for a game. A beer bong, I like, but you can only do it with like Gatorade or water. You couldn't actually do a real beer. But if you had a beer bong and you just chugged a Gatorade real quick, I like that, although it might make you want to throw up. But so would a beer yeah, bong. Yeah, it depends on, depends on the player, I think. Yeah. And then the Hyde lap dance it made me want to vomit. <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah, just it's... picturing that, it's such an it would be so awkward. It would be so uncomfortable. How about for every home run, Hyde mimics his dust up with Chris Davis in the dug- dugout. Like he comes up to you and he grabs you and he's like, "I'll kill you." Okay, yeah, that um, work. Kind of the polar opposite of a lap dance, but yeah, uh, something that 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 wouldn't make. Everybody uncomfortable. I don't know. That was, that was the point. Yeah, it's it's a fun list. It's a fun list for sure. I I, I like it very. I, I'm sorry for not not taking it seriously, but uh, dude, it was no, fun. I, it was I, fun to talk about that. I I love it. I, so it's, it's levity, man. Yeah. Not that our show needs levity. It's not like we're in here talking about you know you know a list of like reading the obituary. It's not like we're doing that. But you know it's levity and, I, and, and sometimes. That's why I made- I made sure to say at the beginning, like I, I do want the home run chain to continue. I think yeah. it's a good celebration. Now, yeah. if they if they switch to the the Oriole bird head, I think that would be awesome. That'd be great. I honestly think that you should like contact the Orioles and be like, hey, get an extra Oriole bird head, put it in the dugout, and every home run hitter wears it. I think that's I think that's super cool. I like that idea a lot. They actually. they definitely have at least four or five of them at the stadium. Oh, for sure. Uh, and you know that for a fact because you used to work down there, right? Yeah. 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 That that's I I that of all of them, that's my favorite. And I know that most of them were tongue in cheek, if not all of them. I, I did want to start with one that actually made sense. So that's yeah. why I started with the Oriole bird head. But then the rest of them, like the two two, kind of makes sense. But it's it, it'd be stupid. Um, but yeah, it's that was fun. All right. So Orioles banter. Next week is going to be like an hour and a half of Orioles banter. Is there anything specifically that you're amped up about for spring training? Any anything that you're like? Because I, I look at spring training and I look at the competitions, and you really, you really only have a competition for the rotation, and yeah. you have a pretty good idea already who's going to win that competition. But it's it's up for there's three spots technically up for grabs, even though we know who's going to win them probably. Yeah. Um, what's the guy's name? Is it Andrew Politi, the Rule Five pick? Politi or Politi, yeah. Um, is okay. his first name Andrew? Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Does he have any chance at making this team? I don't think so. I don't think he does. Not, either. not after uh, the Michael Givens acquisition. Yeah. Not, I, I, I don't think so either. And um, and you know that at least at least two of those guys who are competing for starting spots are going to get put in the bullpen. Yeah. I Tyler Wells and Austin both are going to be on your big league roster, whether it's in the rotation or in the bullpen. I I think for both of them, it's going to be in the bullpen. I think so too. Um. So. You're really only looking at a rotation battle. I'm, I, and we've talked about it so much, but I'm, I am interested to see how they use Ramon Arias, because um, he just won a Gold Glove at third base. He didn't commit a single error at second base. He can play shortstop. I haven't seen him play a lot of shortstop, but he can play shortstop. So you can, you can move him around. He can still play five days a week. Um, just how often are they going to? That's a good player to be a utility guy. I think. Now, look, the batting average left a lot to be desired last year, but the year before, he hit near 280. He was their best player with runner, their best batter with runners in scoring position in 2021, and he was damn good at it last year. And there was a month where he carried the team offensively um, last year. So maybe it wasn't a month. It was probably like three weeks. It was a few weeks, yeah. Yeah. And he's got a really good glove. He's an elite defender. 
maybe not the flashiest, but he catches the ball and he makes the throw every time. So what do they do with Ramon Arias? I I thought for sure he was getting traded, or he or Mateo, and now I think they're both here. What do they do? Yeah, I don't know, man. I you know you originally posed the question: Are is there anything you're particularly excited about for for spring training? And then you brought up, you know, there 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 there's a rotation competition. That's really all that there is. I I yeah, sometimes I, I ramble. I apologize. No no no. I, I I I'm not I'm not criticizing you at all. I just I that's about where I am as well. Um, I would have been a lot more. I mean, I'm excited for spring training because baseball's coming back. Right. But regarding specifically the Orioles, I would be a lot more excited had they either not signed. Not not to say that Adam Frazier is a bad signing because I think he will contribute to this team. Mm-hmm. Had they either not signed Adam Frazier or had they traded one of Arias and Mateo, I think I'd be a lot more excited to see how the infield was going to shape out. Yeah, I think it's pretty set in stone now that Adam Frazier is going to be your second baseman, Jorge Mateo is going to be your shortstop, Gunnar Henderson is going to be your third baseman, which leaves either Taron Vavra or Ramon Arias to be your utility infielder. And that doesn't move the needle for me much. Uh, see, I like Taron Vavra. So I, I. I, I like Taron Vavra, and I think that he's a guy... Is he an everyday player? If he had a modicum of power... I, I think that his bat can play. I think he can hit 275 at the big league level, which means he's getting on base at probably about a 350, 360 clip. I think that that guy can can hit. I think he can get on base. The power isn't there. Right. Right. So for Taron Vavra... It, it doesn't really have to be if it, you're it, a second it, baseman. It doesn't have to be. You'd like there to be some. I mean, he's my, he might be a 5 to 10 home run guy. I think that I think ten's pushing it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I I think five might be on the low side, right? So, I mean, that's a guy that you could bat ninth, but that's also a guy that just screams utility infielder yeah. to me. Is his glove good enough to be a utility infielder? That's the other question with Taron Vavra. We were right. when the Orioles acquired him three years ago. We were all excited. We're like, oh, this guy could hit leadoff for them, and uh, now he's he's maybe a utility guy for them. I, yeah. But I, I'm more. I have no interest in seeing Adam Frazier play the corner outfield. Me neither. I've, it's going to happen, but I have no interest in it. I have no interest in seeing James McCann play first base. Me neither. But it's going to happen. Yep. I, I, I honestly, I have. If it keeps his bat in the lineup, cool. But I don't really have interest in watching Adley play first base. No, me neither. DH catcher and the the day game after night game day off. Yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, and I get it that Adley's not going to catch 140 games. There's no reason he shouldn't catch 120. Right. You know, but especially if he's so much better defensively than McCann. McCann's not bad defensively. He's no, a he's lot. He, he's a lot better than Chirinos. McCann. McCann's my favorite offseason pickup. Just yeah. If for I no love reason, if for no reason other than it'll take, excuse me, a lot of the frustration out of Adley's days off. And it's so funny, man, because you see p- people posting these memes on social media. Orioles fans, when Adley gets a, a a day off, day game after a night game, or need a day off, and, and it's like, and it's like somebody with like their hair on fire or something like that, and it's like, well, no, LeBron throwing a hissy fit. Right, I'm not upset that Adley got a day off. I'm upset that it's happening two to three times a week. It's happening <laughs> two to three times a week in favor of Robinson Chirinos, yeah. and in that same lineup, you're also playing. Um, uh, What's it? Why can't I ever remember his first name? Ruth Nedador? No, Ruth Nedador. That's ingrained in my memory. Chris Owens. Uh, Aguilar. No, in that same lineup, you're playing Aguilar and Odor and Tyler Nevin and um, Phillips. Oh, Brett. 
Brett, Brett Phillips. Phillips. I yeah. can never remember. Right. And, and if it's a if it's a lefty, Ryan McKenna. Right. Like it, you're playing. You're you're resting your best players all on the same day. Spread it out, man. Yeah. Just spread it out. That's I, all we want. Yeah. That's I, all I, we're asking. And, and there's no reason that, in my opinion, if it's a Sunday game, and Adley just caught Friday night, Saturday night, it's now a Sunday afternoon game, and you need to win this game, and you're off on Monday. There's no reason Adley shouldn't be playing in that game, right. the, the, where he the, he shouldn't be catching that game. If you need to win that game, and you have the next day is an off day, Adley should be in that lineup. Absolutely. That, that that's that's my feeling on it. Brandon Hyde's never going to do that. Right. And 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 I love that you and I have similar thoughts on Brandon. Hyde. I'm giving him a, like who am I uh, to give him another shot? Yeah. You know, I, I, in my mind's eye, I'm giving him another shot to prove me wrong. To show that he has what it takes to manage a championship-caliber baseball team. Not that the 2022 Baltimore Orioles were a championship-caliber baseball team, but they left a lot uh, down the stretch. Uh, I could go back in my notes and pull up the um, from back in like October and pull up the notes about Tampa Bay and how they basically opened the door and stepped to the side to let the Orioles in the playoffs. And the Orioles were like, "Now nah, we're good. Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, a lot of that was because of the decisions that Brandon Hyde made. Now, he didn't have the bench options, the reserve options, last year that he has this year. Those guys are on your team. That's what you have at your disposal. You've you got to play them at some point. Yeah. Right? And, and I totally get that. So I'm willing to see what Brandon Hyde can do. With They have incredible depth on this team right now. So I'm willing to see what he can do with the depth that he has. Uh, I, and to see if... He manages his starting his starting rotation a little bit better in the second half of the season because my my biggest argument with him last year one of my biggest arguments I, I had a lot of them um, one of my biggest gripes with him last year was starting pitcher is at seventy three pitches at five and a third innings and he takes him out and he's cruising two hits no runs allowed one run allowed and he takes him out out to match up and I'm like the dude's cruising. The yeah. dude is absolutely cruising. That's stuff that you do in April and May when you're trying to save the innings, trying to save the arm, trying to ramp them up appropriately. When you're in August and September and you're trying, you're in a wild card chase, you got to leave your best option in there. And if you honestly believe that the that Brian Baker or Joey Crable is a better option than Dean Kramer at five and a third innings and 62 pitches or 72 pitches, uh, I'm thinking of the Little League uh, Classic that they played in yeah. where he... Dean Kramer had gone five and a third. He had thrown 73 pitches. He had given up one run on four hits. And he pulled him in favor of Dylan Tate. And I like Dylan Tate. But Dylan Tate immediately allowed the Red Sox to tie the game. Wasn't that uh, Franchi Cordero who hit that home run? Mm-hmm. And it, he, he, he allowed the Red Sox to tie the game. And Jorge, Jorge Mateo <laughs> had the bases clearing base hit. To can't win, to can't win hit the a game. lick, but that dude. All right, that that game. It was, I, if, it was awesome. if I can talk about that for a minute, um, do you remember the discourse? I think I might have even started this discourse. Uh, Mateo came up with the bases loaded, right? Bottom, mm-hmm. uh, bottom of the eighth, I think it was. Maybe top of the. I don't remember if we were home or away. Doesn't matter. I think we were the home team. Oh yeah, because they should. They did fireworks after we won. Anyway, Mateo comes up in the the bottom of the eighth with the bases loaded, immediately after a four pitch walk where no pitch was close. And the pitch... Oh, no, I'm thinking of a totally different game. Never mind. 
Ignore this. When he grounded into the game-ending double play on the first pitch after after the base after the walk. Yeah. On four. It pitches. was a, it was a very similar thing though, where like Mateo probably shouldn't have swung at the pitch that he hit the bases clearing double on. Mm-hmm. But I, I yeah I was thinking of a different game where he came up after a four pitch walk, swung at a, a sinker that was shooting toward his knees mm-hmm. and smoked. He hit it at 105 miles an hour. It was a good hit. But ball. it was right at the third base. It was right at the third base. Well, third base made a great play. I don't remember who it was. Uh, I think it was Devers. No, because this this wasn't a Red Sox. It wasn't a Red Sox team. I don't think it was. It was in the the final third of the season. Yeah, it was down the stretch, and it was a a game that they that they should have and could have won. Yeah, and and that's the thing. My whole point with that was there were a lot of games down the stretch that they should have and could have won. Uh, I I look at it, uh, game one hundred eight, game one hundred eight, because they had fifty. You have to give me some more. more I I have more info. (laughs) I was I was at this game. They had taken. The first two games, they were playing the Pittsburgh Pirates. They had taken the first two games of the series. And um, Toronto was in the process of sweeping the Oakland Athletics. The Orioles, instead of going for the sweep on Sunday, and you can sit there and say, and Brandon I can sit there and he can argue till he's blue in the face, those guys gave us a chance to win. I believe that they could help us win. His Sunday lineup in game 108, because it was the, it was the game before, it was... The last game before their final 54 game starts, the final third of the season, they lost to the Pirates something like eight to one. Yeah, they started. He started in his lineup: Roof Neto, Door, Brett Phillips, uh, Ryan McKenna, and Robinson Chirinos. In the same lineup, with a day off the next day, needing to sweep to kind of keep pace in this chase, right? And they lost like eight to one, or eight to nothing. It was the game was not close, and I even posted, and I wrote an article about. It. I was so upset about it. The Orioles, not only were they the only team in baseball to have three guys batting below one fifty in their starting lineup. I'm sorry, batting below two hundred in their starting lineup. They were the only team in baseball to have three guys that were in the starting lineup at the same time that were batting below 200 and had more than 150 at-bats on the season. And he put three of those guys in the same lineup. And, and, and to me, it was like, why are you not doing everything you can to take advantage of playing a really bad team and win this game? Why are we not doing this? You know, and, and again, I'm not here to, to hate on Brandon Hyde. It's just there, there were a number of games like that. Taron Vavra was the number three hitter that day. Taron Vavra was the number three hitter. Mullins, Rutschman, Vavra, Santander, Mountcastle, Odor, Mateo, Phillips, Chirinos. Mm-hmm. Spencer Watkins on the mound. Is that the game? That, what was the final score of that game? It was 8-1. to one. It was 8-1. to one. Did Odor start at third base? Yes, he did. Vavra was at second. That and was then Arias, th- Arias pinch hit for Vavra... Uh, in the like fifth or sixth inning, that was, and Odor moved back to second. That was the game where he started Odor at third base for the first time all year. And when they asked Odor how he felt about playing third base the year before, earlier in the season, he said uncomfortable. Yeah. He puts Odor at third base. Spencer Watkins retires the first 13 batters of the game. Oh, yeah, that was that game, wasn't it? And then Odor, instead of charging in on a hopper, bounces, uh, drifts back to the back of the infield dirt, to field it on a on a on a better hop for himself, instead of charging in and being aggressive, the guy reaches base and they immediately score four runs. They immediate 
They, Sorry, I'm mesmerized by this flock of birds outside. There's a flock of birds window. outside. Well, they pro- they're probably Hundreds auditioning for you for the home run celebration. Oh yeah, we do. We should go outside and catch a bunch of them. Flock right of now. birds, <laughs> right? They won't come back though. But Not Odor, if we don't train them. Odor, it didn't go down as an error. Right. It went down as an infield hit, but it was 100% an error. It was a mental error. Right. It's, and a, it's I'm, I'm taking my time, and so it's it's not my fault if, yeah. They immediately let four straight guys reach base and scored four runs, and the Orioles never came back in that game. They lost that game 8-1. to one. I, was at the, I was at the ball game. They needed to win that game. They needed to sweep, and starting Odor at third base was egregious enough, but then all the guys... You're, the last four guys in your lineup, I think you said, were... Odor, Chirinos, Mateo, and Phillips. Odor, Mateo, Phillips, Chirinos in that order. Yeah. Those are all guys that at that point in the year were hitting right around 200. Odor was 193. Uh, this, I guess this is following the game. Odor was 193 after an 0 for 3 game. Mateo went 2 for 3 to improve his average to 220. The lone run was a Mateo home run. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, Brett Phillips went 0 for 3. He was hitting 149 after the game, and Chirinos went 1 for 2 to improve to 172. Mm-hmm. All of those guys were hitting 220 or worse entering that game, and those were the last four hitters in your lineup. So you're ba- and your number three hitter is Taron Vavra. The best on-base percentage of those four hitters was Jorge Mateo at 270. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he's... He, we're talking he's about the how he's the on-base guy in baseball. We're talking about how... Uh, Keith Law was just on this show and just literally just said today to us, he might be the most automatic out of any position player in baseball. Yep. Like, that's that's telling. And those four guys were the last four guys in your lineup with Taron Vavra hitting third. Now, to, be, I, to be fair, Vavra was on a, a tear. Right. For lack of a better term. I, and I like Taron Vavra. He's not a three-hitter. No, not even close. He's not a three-hitter. And Ryan Mountcastle was hitting fourth in that in that lineup, right? Ryan Mountcastle uh, fifth, yeah. Santander fourth. Santander fourth. Mountcastle fifth. Taron Vavra third. Uh, and Mountcastle is in the middle of one of the unluckiest seasons we've seen. Yeah. In baseball, and San- I like Anthony Santander. Honestly, I'd, I'd be I'd be way better with that lineup to be perfectly content, considering how how much of a heater Taron Vavra was on at the time. Mm-hmm. Bat him first. Put Mullins third. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd I'd much prefer that. Uh, or, or bat him second and put Rutschman third. Sure. Yeah, but I mean, Rutschman DHing, Torino's ninth. I don't know. You, I, wa- th- I want my best hitters hitting as often as possible. And I also, I also want my best players to not have the day off on the same day. Yeah, ideally. No, not, not too much to ask. So I'm, I'm interested to see how. I, I mean, it's not, it's not like they even had any good bullpen options either. They went Watkins, Baker, Aiken, Solser. That a uh, bow sulcer, not bow sulcer, right? And but see, and that's that's the other thing. And I get it; it's Sunday. Right. These other guys might be taxed. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, but you're it, down. You're down four to one. You're down. It's not. It's not a. It's not a surefire thing that you're losing this game. You don't four need to, one, to punt the bullpen. And you, you, I think he replaced Watkins with Brian Baker. And I remember thinking. Brian Baker is not the guy here. And I think Baker gave up a couple of runs, didn't Baker, he? Baker, uh, well, let's see. So Baker pitched two-thirds of an inning, was not charged with any runs. Uh, those runs scored in... No, but, well, Baker may have given up I think he some gave, of Watkins' runs. I think he gave up the hits. I, I, don't that, have, the play, I have the box score, not the play-by-play. Uh, so Baker went two-thirds of an inning, gave up one hit, struck out one. 
So he he may have given up a hit that brought in a couple of Watkins runs. Mm-hmm. But then Aiken in the the seventh inning gave up three runs in two thirds of an inning. Yeah, I, there's some wild pitches in there. I think maybe from Watkins or maybe for, I think no, I think I think Baker threw a wild pitch. Watkins threw the only was credited with the only wild pitch. Okay, was it was there a pass ball? Not that I see. I, I know there was a wild pitch that allowed one of those four runs to score in the in the fifth. Was it the fourth inning or the, it was the fifth inning? Right, that they scored four runs. It was sorry, I'm scrolling up and down here. It was the fifth. They scored three in the fifth, one in the sixth, four in the seventh. Yeah, they um, and it was because he retired the first thirteen batters, which would have gotten him to one out in the yeah. fifth inning. Um, th- and that's just a, wow. We just spent like twenty minutes talking about the, the Orioles' hundred eighth game of the year in August on a Sunday against the so uh, in, Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, according to my my list, Jorge Mateo should have taken a curtain call after the the solo home run in the well, third but inning. When he hit the home run, it gave the Orioles a one nothing lead. So he one hundred percent should have taken a curtain call. Yeah, yeah. No, sure. I, I I agree with you. We have to get our final break. So we're gonna get our final break here. Want to remind you, I was way ahead on my on my sponsors, and now I'm way behind uh folks we have been talking to you about for weeks for months for months literally for months now about press boxes offers so you can get some free money um but look we need you to do it responsibly gambling it it can be fun but you need to set a limit and stay within it and remember if you or a loved one has a gambling problem you can call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or simply go to helpmygamblingproblem.org that's helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services Get that plan under control. Get some money back in your kid's college fund or their wedding fund or what may what may have you. All right, we got to catch a final break. When we come back here on the Batter Round, we'll close things out with some trivia and some final thoughts. That and more next on the Batter Round. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The latest edition of Press Box is available now, and it's our annual Best of Issue. On the cover, we recognize Orioles catcher Adley Rutschman as our 2022 Mo Gabba Sports Person of the Year, and he sits down with us to discuss how his arrival in Baltimore was simultaneous with the Birds' turnaround. Also inside, we recognize the top people, performances, and moments of the year throughout the local sports scene. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. 
There's something for everyone this February at Laurel Park. Come watch live horse racing every Friday through Sunday and join us on Saturday, February 18th for the Winter Stakes Spectacular featuring six stakes races and $900,000 in purses, including the General George and Barbara Fritchie Stakes. The fun doesn't stop there. Stick around for our winter Mardi Gras celebration with live music, delicious food and drinks, and a carnival atmosphere. Plus, don't miss out on President's Day holiday racing on Monday, February 20th. Visit laurelpark.com for more info. That's laurelpark.com for more. See you at the track. Got to let it play a little bit. Love the old the old GCR music uh, that is now the Bat Around Break 3 music. It has been for a while now. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right, welcome back to the Bat Around. Great show today. Special thanks to Keith Law and, for, and Stan the Fan Charles, who both had great segments today. Keith Law, you know, not necessarily defending himself because he doesn't have to, and he probably doesn't care to, um, but really giving insight into his uh, Orioles uh, prospect rankings. Great insight there. So thank you to Keith Law for taking some time for us here on a Saturday morning before the spring training season gets underway, and the baseball season, for that matter. Uh, today's show brought to you by the Toyota Tacoma, which comes in a range of models and trim lines. You can choose a perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. And today, Ryan is asking me some trivia questions, or a trivia question, and, I'm, and we've decided during break two I'm going to ask Ryan Zach's trivia question from last week because I was so disappointed in how Zach did. Like, I thought for sure he'd get 10 of the 14 pitchers, and he got five of them, and one of them he needed like a, a pretty legitimate hint for. So I want to see how Ryan does with that. But first, Ryan, you have a trivia question for me. I do. So I was on the show a few weeks ago filling in for Zach, and your trivia question for me was to name pitchers who had pitched for the Orioles at some point in their career, but one had a twenty-game win, a twenty-win season for a different team. And I missed like three guys. That's okay. I, I may have missed some in in my question as well. I don't think I did, but you never know. Uh, but Paul, inspired by that question, Paul, Paul, inspired by that question, Paul. What do you got for me, honey? <laughs> Since nineteen seventy, there are eleven pitchers, by my count who have pitched for the Orioles at some point in their career, but threw a no-hitter for a different team. Eleven pitchers. Eleven pitchers. And I did include combined no-hitters if they were the starting pitcher in that game. Eleven, okay. Eleven pitchers who have pitched for the Orioles at some point in their career, but threw a no-hitter for a different team. Okay. Um, so I'll, since, I'll, I'll, since 1970. I'll get the ones that I know off the top of my head out of the way. Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta did it twice. David Cohn. I mean, not David Cohn. David Wells. David Wells did it in 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think. Did the pitcher Galarraga... He didn't get credit with a no-hitter with no hitter or a perfect game, even though the guy was out at first base and the umpire, like... He didn't get credit for that, and I know he was with the Orioles in like spring training. I don't know if he ever actually pitched for the Orioles. He did not. Um, let me think. No hitters. 
that I can re- remember. Oh, Wade Miley. Wade Miley, last not last season, 2021. He's thrown a couple no-hitters, I think, or maybe just the one. Just the one. He, he, he's gotten close a couple other times, though. Um, who else has thrown a no-hitter? The, 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 for, the pitch for the Orioles, but didn't do it with the Orioles, did it with somebody else. Right. Just like your question um, for me, but... Is it Fernando Valenzuela? Valenzuela threw a no-hitter in 1990. Okay. Um, so that's, that's four. I want you to get seven before you get three wrong, which se- I, I think you can do. Seven before I get three wrong. I haven't had any misses yet. Right. Um, let's see. Who else has thrown a no-hitter since 1970? Ross Grimsley. He did not throw a no-hitter. Damn, I thought he did. So that's one wrong. If he did, he wasn't on the page. Um, now it's getting tough because now I'm trying to remember because no hitters are a lot more prominent than people think. I think there's been like over 200 thrown in history. Um, no, Scott Erickson. There, there have been about th- I think 318. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the number's up there. Yeah. Scott Erickson had a 20 win season, but he didn't throw a no hitter. Did Pat Hinkin throw a no-hitter? He did not. No, nah, he that's too wrong. That's two misses. Grimsley and and Hankton. Can I can I ask for a slight hint? Uh one one of the pitchers who No, no I I I was going to ask you the hint question. Oh, sure. Okay. Are the bulk of them more recent than not? Because if they happened in the 70s and 80s, I'm not going to get them. If they happened in the '90s and 2000s, I, I I should be able to get them. Then you should be able to get ten of the eleven. Ten of the eleven. If they've happened if you in think, the last if you thirty think 90s, years, yeah. Ten of the eleven. If I think '90s and beyond, only one was uh, before the beginning of the '90s. Only one was be- okay. Yeah. Um, threw a no hitter. Pitched for the Orioles. Um, I'm trying, like I'm like legitimately picturing all the guys in my head that I've seen throw their hands up in the air. <laughs> yeah. Um, and been like, damn. I, I I would like to to give you another small hint. Okay. And based on how much you remember from the last two minutes, it may be a big hint, but uh, one pitcher, uh, you have already mentioned. One pitcher I've already mentioned. Yes, but you did not. You did not actually guess this pitcher. You were you were thinking out loud. Hmm. Scott Erickson. Scott Erickson threw a no hitter in 1994. Did he in, really? In the strike shortened season. Yeah. Really? I did twins. not know that. I know he won 20 games in like 91. Um. So that's five. That's five. I I, I think you can get two more before you get one more wrong. This is a huge shot in the dark. Kent Merker. Kent Merker is correct. He did a uh, he threw a he he started a no hitter, pitched the first six innings in 1991, so that put him on the list. And then he also threw another by himself in '94. He was a really good starting pitcher for the Braves. Yes, and he came to the Orioles um, late. Not I, I don't want to say later. He wasn't great with the Orioles. Um, but he was good with the Braves. 
Um, Doug Drabeck. Strike three. Damn. He was... He was on the list that I gave Hang you, on, and me... he was he was really good. He was really good from like 1987 to like 1995, and then or like 96. In uh, 1990, Doug Drabeck had a no hitter broken up with one out in the ninth. Damn. Sorry, two outs in the ninth. Damn. So very that, close. That's honorable mention if we're doing O's podcast yeah. family feud. So I got sure. six. You got six in that's nine impressive. in nine guesses. Do you want me to tell you uh, the others? Um, tell me the teams that they. Th- tell me the teams that some of them threw. Oh, I'd, threw I'd have to look those back up. All right. One. Um. All right. I'll give you one of them was. So all right. So the one that was back in. I'll tell you it was in the seventies. Uh, he did it for. I'm going to pull the page back up, but I'm almost certain it was the Cincinnati Reds. Huh. Milt Pappas? Milt Pappas. Okay. Um, Another more recent one, while I pull up the rest of the list, because this one I know for sure, uh, was for the Colorado Rockies. The Colorado Rockies? It wasn't Jeremy Guthrie, was it? It was not Jeremy Guthrie. Jason Hamill? It was not Jason Hamill. Threw a no hitter for uh, the Galarraga guy. Did it for the for the, no? Did he do it for the Rockies? That wasn't a no hitter though. Galarraga was for the was the Tigers. Oh, he, that's he right. Didn't, he didn't get it. I, I'm thinking of Andres Galarraga. Oh uh, yeah. Um, yeah uh, Armando. Armando. Was Armando the pitcher, was the, the Tigers pitcher. pitcher gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, yep. Rockies. Hmm. Hang on. Hang on a second. Let's see. Oh, I'm sorry. Pappas did it for the Cubs. But Reds was a better better hint. Oh, this guy. Th- there's a guy that, that tunes into our show every week just to tell us how few viewer, live viewers we have and then leaves. What? Why? I, I, I don't know. Dude, uh, I, don't, I don't think... I, I don't know what site you guys use, but StreamYard, I know for sure, does not properly calculate it. Because StreamYard, when we're recording an episode of Give That Fan a Podcast... It'll show like normally between like two and eight mm-hmm. live listeners, but then as soon as it's over, you you click on on the Twitter stream and it says like you know ended two hundred and sixty viewers, and then I go to YouTube and it's like streamed you know forty fifty times whatever. Like the views are coming in. I just I don't think they're synced up properly somehow. Yeah, uh, it may, it's probably calculating however many at any given time combined. Yeah, but even even but, then, it doesn't make sense to me. But any, anyway, stop beating up on your co-host, Paul. How was I beating, beating up, up on, my on co- me? I don't. When did I beat up on you? I don't recall you beating up on Maybe me. Maybe you saying, you you warned me to lighten up on Angelus a little bit. Um, that was it. I don't. I don't know. I don't know when I did that. When I beat up on you. Um, I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, go ahead. Give me. You, just, just tell me. We're we're running short on time, and I got to record a promo. Okay. Uh, for the Rockies in 2010 was Ubaldo Jimenez. Oh, damn it! I knew that. Uh, he did it by himself in 2003, and then six innings uh, to start one in 2012. Kevin Millwood. Kevin Millwood was also on my brain, but I didn't remember him doing that either. Yeah. Uh, in 97, Kevin Brown. Oh yeah. Did it. 19 and the last one that you didn't get 1991. Dennis Martinez. 
Dennis Martinez was on my mind too because he was he was a starter and he was a reliever at points for the Braves and I so I wasn't sure at what point he became a reliever. And real quick bonus answers and you might be able to rattle these off quick if you want to guess them you don't have to. There are four pitchers since 2010 who were in the Orioles organization never actually pitched for the Orioles who have been involved in no hitters for other teams. Do you want to guess? Or you want me to just tell you? Just tell me. Johan Santana. Okay. Felix Hernandez. Okay. Zach Davies through six innings of one. Josh Hader finished Corbin Burns no hitter. Zach Davies and Josh Hader were on my mind, but I was like, I was thinking that they had to start, but you said they were just involved. Yeah, Davies started, but Hader was Hader was the last inning. But well, that, I wasn't right. I wasn't planning on actually asking you that. No, that was question. that was that was a good trivia question. I've only got a limited time um, before my battery dies on this thing. I can just plug it in, but I don't know where to plug it in at um, where I'm going to be able to see it. So, hang on one second. Vamp. Okay. Uh, I really wish Felix Hernandez actually had pitched for the Orioles. Uh, one of my favorite pitchers of all time. I would have liked to have seen him get a shot. He was signed to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training a few years ago. And uh, I was very excited about that because the Orioles stunk, and uh, he would have been exciting to watch. And then he got hurt in the spring and did not make the team, has not pitched in the bigs since, I don't think, unless... I know he pitched with the Braves at some point. Was that before or after the Orioles? He hasn't that? pitched since he got hurt in spring training with the Orioles. That's what I thought. That, that, was, so like, he was, that was just two years ago. It was 2021, I think. Yeah, because he was with the Braves, I think, the year before. Yeah. Briefly. I, yeah, and he did pitch in the big leagues for them. I think he had actually a pretty good start, one like one or two good starts with them, yeah. but uh, kind of fell off. Okay, so this is a question I asked Zach last week. Uh, when they when the Orioles acquire Cole Irvin, they now have Kyle Gibson and Cole Irvin in their starting rotation, and both of these guys in the last two years have in one of the last two years, have pitched 180 innings or more in a season. Um, the Orioles, since 2000, have had 26 instances in which a starting pitcher has um, has thrown 180 innings or more, and it's been accomplished by 14 pitchers. Can you name 10 of them? Oh, no. Uh, I, so I need, I need to perform better than Zach because he struggled to get five, right? Correct. Okay. I know they haven't done it in several years. Um, I think. Oh, and you know what? The, the the caveat there is that no no Orioles starting pitcher since Kevin Gossman through one hundred eighty six and two thirds in twenty seven in twenty seventeen has done it. So no other Orioles starting pitcher has done it since twenty seventeen. So Kevin Gossman is off the list. He so he's not included because I Correct. was I was going to say Gossman before you you told me that. Correct. Um, okay. And I know because Lyles got kind of close last year, but uh, he didn't do it. He, he didn't had do it. 170, yeah, 179. Okay, uh, I believe Chris Tillman did yes. it at least once. Yep, he did it. Um, he, you know what? Yes, he's done it. Because at the end, if you get to ten, I want to ask you a bonus question. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. So going back a little further, I believe Jason Hamill did it. Never. Shoot. Okay, but all right. So if Hamill didn't do it, I think Wei Yin Chen did. Correct, multiple okay. times. Uh, I don't think Miguel Gonzalez ever got there. Mm-mm. I don't think Ubaldo did. Uh, he's, he wasn't good enough. To, he didn't go deep enough into games. I don't think. Um, all right, I think I, I feel like I need to go back a little further. Hey, remember, you're going back to 2000. 2000. Right. Okay. So uh, give me. Shoot, I gotta think. So, Scott Erickson was with the Orioles. He he, he pitched for the Orioles in two thousand or two thousand one or something. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm with gonna 
No. Shoot. Was he was somebody he? who pitched with him though? With the Orioles? Mm-hmm. Messina. Yep. He threw two hundred and thirty-seven and two-thirds innings in two thousand. I my problem is I'm thinking back to like the late nineties. Like I'm thinking I'm thinking of guys like David Wells and uh, Jimmy Key. Right. But you, the, but they weren't here. Yeah. Um. I have trouble thinking of. All right, so all right, let me let me go back to the mid mid two thousands. Um, if you do that, you should start rattling some off. I think once I get a few names, I'll get more. Uh, Daniel Cabrera. Daniel Cabrera, which is not a guy that Zach got. He did it uh, twice. Okay. Um, Jason Johnson. Good pull. And if you look at Jason Johnson, I don't know numbers, where that came. If from. Jason Johnson were pitching today and had those numbers, he'd be a fit in the Orioles rotation. If you look at his numbers with the Orioles, he did it twice in two thousand one and two thousand three. He was solid. Uh, Guthrie had to do it, right? Jeremy Guthrie. Okay. Um, oh, I just had another name and it escaped me. Uh, in the Daniel Cabrera. Oh, uh, Rodrigo Lopez. Rodrigo Lopez, another one that Zach didn't get. Did Sir Sidney ever do it? Sidney Ponson, he did do it. Rodrigo Lopez. I, did I just say him? You just said Rodrigo Lopez. <laughs> Calvin Maduro. No. No. No? No. Not even remotely close. Damn. All right, that's fine. You, there is a guy who pitched around the same time who I knew Zach wasn't going to get. That's why I allowed him to do 10 of 14. And I never, I wouldn't have gotten him. I was thinking of him, but I couldn't think of what his name was. Uh, but I, I never would have guessed the name. This is around Maduro time? Around Maduro time. Maybe a little bit before. When was Maduro time again? Like oh two oh three, I think. It's it's around a, a, right around there. Oh man! I don't think. Don't focus on him. We'll come I back won't. to that one because it's a tough name. I won't focus on that. Um, I, uh, did Alfredo Simone do it? Not here. Okay. I don't count that as a guess. All right. Because you were just genuine. Uh, how how many have I guessed incorrectly? Like four, three okay. or four. That's so fine. yeah, I'm I'm not really giving you strikes. But I've got wanna... I've got eight right. Is that what you're? You've got eight right. Holding up. Okay, shoot. All right, so I need two more. And I'm going to give you, it's 12.34 and 30 seconds right now. You have one minute. Okay. Oh, now I'm freaking out. Now I'm panicking. Okay. I'll give you a hint. Brad Bergeson. Uh, Did he do it before he got hurt? No. I'll give you a hint. Okay. You mentioned this guy, but you said he wouldn't have done it. Alfredo, uh, um, I mentioned this guy already. Mm-hmm. Same thing with me with Scott Erickson. And I said he wouldn't have done it. Um, not Alfredo Simone. Uh, oh, gosh. Ubaldo? Ubaldo Jimenez threw 184. He in, did. He, he You're right. 184 innings in 2015. Okay. Uh, so I need one more. Uh, all right. I'm just going gonna, gonna to start trying to rattle off names. Uh, Kevin Millwood. He was in my question. Kevin Millwood. Boom. That's 10. Okay. Keep going. Um, give you me have five seconds. Give me uh, uh, Tommy Hunter. No. And you're done. The names that you didn't guess. Eric Bedard. Oh, that should have been obvious. That I thought that should have been obvious, too. Did Zach, Zach get that one? No. Okay. Um, no. No, he didn't get. He may have. He may have gotten Bedard. Uh, Chris Benson. Okay. Bruce Chen. Bruce, I said Wei Yin Chen. I didn't say Bruce. But Wei Yin Chen was thinking of him. Wei Yin Chen was correct. Yeah, no, I know. 
But, but Bruce I was, Chen was also correct because he had that one really good year. Here. Bruce Chen was who I was trying to think of when I was rattling off Rodrigo Lopez and Daniel Cabrera and the, that like that group. Yeah, I was. I, I knew there was another another lefty in there. Do you want to take a shot at the one guy remaining who I don't think anybody would guess? And this was in and he around did it 2002. In, he, he did it in 2001. He did it in 2001. Okay, his last name has. The same letter in it three times, but it sounds different each time. <laughs> what kind of hint is that? Somebody posted that on um, um, who who posted? Snoop Dogg posted a, a a post about that. He's like sitting in the shower thinking about how this particular word has three of this letter in it, and they're all pronounced differently. So I all right, thinking of letters that can do that, I would guess like C. Is the letter C? It's a vowel. It's a vowel. Oh gosh, I I I'm gonna take too long to sit here thinking about it. Okay, what, that, can, that's, can probably, that, me, that, that's probably a bad hint because it probably made things worse. Can for you tell you. me what letter his last name starts with? M. Shoot. If I give you the best hint I can give you, you're gonna get it. Maybe you might not get it, but you'll get the last name. If I get the last name, I'll get the first name. Maybe. All right. What's what's the hint? Because I don't want to take too long. Car. Oh, 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 oh. Um, oh, no. I know who you're talking about. I cannot think of the name. May I give you a Start with second. M? Mm-hmm. 10, 9, 8, 7, no, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Jose Mercedes. Oh! Oh. I Snoop knew we, Dog. I knew we had a Mercedes. Um, somebody posted on on social media. I think I may have seen it on Instagram a week or so ago, and they said, "How do y'all be taking forty five minute showers?" And then they clipped on that was a Snoop Dogg post said, "I've been sitting here in the shower for the last forty five minutes thinking about how the word Mercedes has three E's and they're all pronounced differently." <laughs> That's good. That's real good. All right. Um, very good. Mercedes. Damn. I should have uh, gotten that. I uh, I was upset with Zach because he only got like five, and we're undefeated in O's podcast family feud. So you have one more matchup before we get to the championship. I, we still have two weeks, so Zach and I have to go again. One more matchup, we have? which will be this upcoming week. That'll be between the Warehouse Podcast and Florida Prospect Report. The winner of that matchup will face off against you and Zach in the finals, which will be ideally the night before... Pitchers and catchers report for the Orioles Wednesday, February tw- uh, February 15th. Although one of the members of Florida Prospect Report has already told me that they can't do that night if they make it to the finals. So we might have to adjust that. But, uh, yeah, you guys are, are the only undefeated team remaining. Mm-hmm. As, so, as, as such, it should be. As such, whoever advances from the loser's bracket to face you in the championship will have to beat you twice in a row in order, in order to prevent you from taking home the crown. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't want to lose at all. So I'm still nervous. I don't want to lose it all. I, I'm, I've done my best to save some of my favorite questions for the end. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, I know... How I know, many are subjective? To be honest with you, I don't remember. But I think uh, uh, about half, I would, oh, I would say. God, I hate you so much. No, but there, there are questions that you'll know answers to on the board. But I think it might be a little... Uh, a little more difficult to like run a full board, but perhaps a little 
more difficult to steal as well. I will say that Zach and I won our won the final round in our last matchup on the question that I said, this question sucks. I felt so bad because it just came out. No, it's okay. Um, I, I get um, it. I personally, like, I think it was a great question. But it, it, it's not what you came into the tournament expecting, which was more trivia based. Right. Right, and when and we yes, there is some trivia, but it's also it's a family like it's th- family feud. There and are some ridiculous subjective questions on actual family feud as well. And when we're sitting there and we're like, we've got two rounds, we only have to win one of them to advance to the championship. And, and then I say, and, and who question, would you like to have a beer with? And I'm just like, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, like I was like so like upset, and then we ended up winning because of that because they got it, they they played. And we stole at the end because they got three strikes and because they didn't guess Boog Pal. Right. I was shocked that Billy Ripken was not on that list. Yeah. I was absolutely shocked that Billy Ripken was not on that list. And I was also shocked that Eddie Murray was on that list because I know he has the steady Eddie beer, but he kind of had a cold way about him in the public eye. Yeah. So that surprised me. The but people Eddie Murray and Boog Pal were the two that they did not put on the board. And then you guys went with Boog yeah. for the steal. And that was successful, and you won the game. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was fun. I immediately. I'm so intense with that game. Like, and and I feel like I look like such a jerk because I I am so competitive and I have to win. And then at the end, I'm always like, man, I was pretty aggressive in 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 that. Like, I'll, I'll Zach will will say something. I'm like, no, you're wrong, idiot. I don't <laughs> I don't call him an idiot. I'm not like Dwight Schrute, but I'm like. That's not right. And then it ends up being right. I I don't give him enough credit. I just remember at one point, I don't remember what the question was, but he gave an answer that was definitely not going to be on the board. And I I don't even know if you are aware aware of this or meant to say it, but you you went, really? And I was like, damn. (laughs) But I know know Zach has no hard feelings about it. I don't care. It's fun. No, honestly, I think it was the home run derby question in our first matchup. He Might said he said Manny Machado, and I said, no, no, no. He said Adam Jones. He said Adam Jones, and I said, Zach. Like, I, no, but I, Jones I, Jones was in the Derby. He was. Yeah. Right. He got he got it right, and that's when I was like, I gotta give him more credit. I do not re- I do not remember Adam Jones ever being in the home run derby. He didn't do well. So when so when he, now that you mentioned it, didn't he hit like two? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, it was exactly two. Yeah. Uh, so when he said that, I was like. That's wrong. Uh, my my reaction, I was like, I didn't mean to do it. I was just like, really, the first question, like, the, uh, and then right. it was right. I'm like, I'm a I'm a dick. <laughs> I didn't mean to be, man. I just I, I feel like if I don't win, everything I know about myself is wrong. That's not actually how Look, I feel. You've got you guys. You guys have, are in the driver's seat now. Yeah, you, no, you I, have made it to the championship undefeated. You have to lose twice in a row to the same team, and which to you, a, who you've already beat. If it's the, I, you haven't played Florida Prospect Report, have you? We have not played the Florida Prospect Report because they lost their first matchup and they went into the losers That's bracket. Right. Yeah, and then they went on a run after that. I have watched the Florida Prospect Report. Um, I've watched them participate, and very knowledgeable guys. We should beat them. That's how I feel. We should beat them. Yeah, if they get there. I feel like we should win either way because I know way didn't, too much about this stuff to not win. Didn't we have Eric on this show when, I, when I was guest hosting one time? Eric's been on the show a number of times. It may have been one of the times when you were guest hosting. Er, yeah. Eric's got a lot, uh, has a lot of info and a lot of prospects. Uh, Eric, Eric's a good guest to get for the yeah. show. So, I, his, I, I, his co-host Bailey, who I think I think just turned eighteen or nineteen, mm-hmm. 
very young, very smart. Yeah, he he, he is. He is. He's the guy. You've probably seen him on your Twitter feed, selfies with minor league. He's got a, I feel like he has a selfie with every minor league player oh, that's that exists. Cool. That's it's, cool. It's he, awesome. He's at a bit of a disadvantage. He might be the youngest guy in the tournament, and he um he doesn't know a lot about pre-2005 like 2005 Orioles. Right. So... Um, but he's, Eric, he's, I think Eric, I think balances that out because yeah. Eric, Eric has some knowledge of of the eighties, nineties. And I'd like to believe that when he when Bailey guessed that Miguel Tejada started on opening day in center field at one point, that Eric, if he was allowed to, would have been like he didn't. Yeah. Don't guess that. That's the one but, problem with you know having certain disadvantages with with certain players is you can't you can't discuss with your partner potential answers unless you're attempting to steal the board. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, that, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. So, we have run really over. I have a lot to do today, and I have to go into the restaurant at four. So. Sorry, babe. We're finishing up. Um, I forgot she was out there. It's all good. Oh, my bad. She's my con- bad. She's watching The Last of Us on her phone. She's content. Nice. Nice. All right. We got to get out of here. Thank you. Um, a special thanks to Ryan Blake for filling in for Zach Goodman. Again, he's always willing to do it. So, um, we really appreciate you and appreciate your efforts and yeah, appreciate man. everything you've done with O's uh, Podcast Family Feud. It's been a ton of of fun and you already having spinoffs um i know that uh connor newcomb he's also been on the show from the locked on orioles podcast he is uh doing an orioles trivia battle royale tomorrow that i'm going to try and take part in yeah. um that's going to have a, a just a bracket and but no losers bracket it's just right one and done and type yeah of thing. I, I like to think he took some inspiration from I, I think he probably did it yeah. because this has been a huge hit it's been a ton of fun so thanks and for he putting participated it together. in it and enjoyed he it did as well. and had one of the most epic moments in the history of the the one year history of the show yeah. but it was epic um so thank you for putting all that together for joining us on this show for helping us out whenever we ask you to so we certainly appreciate you and your efforts for that you thank bet. you to stan the fan charles for his weekly segment and for handing the show over to me um i feel like sometimes he regrets that decision but he's always <laughs> uh, cool and gracious enough to come on the show uh and also special thanks to keith law for coming in um it's not easy to come on a show and talk about a list that you put together that you've been blasted for by a lot of orioles fans in an orioles market but we were never going to do that to him and we're so glad that he came on the show and you know gave the perspective that he had when he made his list which was you can't argue with it so um thanks to all the listeners out there thanks to our sponsors we couldn't have a show without any of you on both sides um so thanks very much to everybody until next week see ya